Kids in the Hall crushes heads. Go, go, Gadget Movie. Weird Al invades TV via the movies. And Spike Lee does the right thing. This week on 30-20-10. Welcome to 30-20-10, ladies and gentlemen, the Laser Time Network's weekly expose into what the world looked like 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Yeah, that's right. I'd say we peel back the curtain, but I like to refer to it as opening portals. Sit down. Enjoy yourself. Open up a portal on the right, left, and center. One labeled 1989, 1999, 2009. We will tell you everything that happened in the world that mattered in a period of one week. That week being July 19th to the 25th. 30, 20, and 10 years ago. A trip through the decades, mostly pop culture based, although this episode in particular has a lot of fun oh news. My God. Yeah. <laughs> so this st- is a super size, super episode. Yeah. It, it really is, because the movies are beyond phenomenal or worthy of talking about. One of my favorite shows is here. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot wait to talk about in this episode. Oh my God. Uh, and, and I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. And I'm Diana Goodman, and I'm teaching poodles how to fly. Come here, Phoebe. <laughs> it's me, Sarah, president of the Lutheran, Lutheran Sisterhood Gun Club. Uh, <gasps> Raul's Wild Kingdom. Cannot wait. I cannot wait. So let's just, just jump jump right the fuck into it. And thank once again, thank you to all our patrons at patreon.com slash lasertime for supporting the entire Lasertime Network, including this show, 302010. Uh, we're working on getting you guys a bonus show. Maybe you can unlock it. Maybe we'll do one just for shits and giggles, but there's still a ton of stuff over there for you to enjoy exclusively uh, for in exchange for five bucks of your support. We do appreciate it. 1989, everyone. July 19th to the 25th is what we'll be covering this episode, and we're going to begin, as we always do, in 1989. Uh, a little bit of news to bring you in. A name I'm sure to fuck up. Uh, Aung San Suu Kyi is put under house arrest in Myanmar slash Burma, and uh, she is in house arrest until 2010. Holy so, shit. Whoa. Yeah. Um, yeah, peace activists in Burma, which is uh, possibly the most fucked up country there is. It's really fucked up over there. I know they, they have the most fucked up Rambo villain. He is yeah, a this... genocidal, pedophile, homosexual who also sets babies on fire. Oh, mm-hmm. no. Yeah, apparently they put it in Burma because it's like, yeah, that's like the worst place. <laughs> uh, they're under this crazy ass autocratic government. There's something of a mini genocide going on. And uh, Aung San Suu Kyi is a peace activist. Um, and she won the Nobel Prize while she was still under house arrest wow. in 1991. I mean, that seems like harsh and holy shit. Wow. But like, why don't you just kill this person? If, if you're just going to behave like that, why put someone on house arrest for this long? And well, leave because a- then she's a martyr. Yeah. I guess. People can rally around. It just seems mm-hmm. so expensive. I don't, I don't understand it how to be a, a dictator. It would inflame everyone, I imagine, in a way that they don't want. Because everyone mm-hmm. kind of imagine, imagines house arrest like, well, I'd get a lot of reading done. <laughs> I mean, this is before Netflix, so eh, that's not great. Well, maybe we should take our president's cue and tell anyone who disagrees with us to go back to their own country, even people who uh, maybe are indigenous are to the continent, <laughs> unlike it's fucking German Scandinavia. Anyway, uh, anyway, lighter news: movies, Lethal Weapon two: colon, Diplomatic Immunity <laughs> is still number one at the box office. Uh, and I, that, I guess that makes sense. I don't know. I, we, there, we, we didn't spend a lot of time hating on Mel Gibson. But um, yeah, the Lethal Weapon movies are weirdly charming. And I can understand that. I agreed. 
And we don't yep. we don't know the truth about Mel Gibson yet. Uh, but there are so many movies this segment. Uh, oh my! I think they're all actually pretty good, except yeah. for The Vineyard with James Hong, directed mm-hmm. by James Hong, huh. uh, which is about a like mad scientist who runs a winery and has like the sure. secret, <laughs> but has like a magic potion that keeps him young. And then there's fighting and goblins or some crap. I don't know, but James Hong is rad, so I got to throw it in there. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I had not seen the next movie. Oh man! But but like this I, next movie. Th- this is <laughs> right around when Little Chrissy Pants was becoming pop culture woke and mm-hmm. seeing as many movies as possible. And I saw this trailer a billion times, and I thought it was scandalous and sexy and like it. It made my little uh, little tiny pee pee move like whenever I saw the trailer for mm-hmm. Shag. Mm. So I'm afraid to yep. play it because Shag I, the movie the Shag the movie. And I don't know why. I don't know why I thought this movie looked so sexy to me. I don't either because well, let it me. It kind of is. It though. is, and it's like because I've seen this movie a bunch of times. This is one of the <laughs> first VHSs that, like, this is one of the VHS videotapes that my best friend in middle or in elementary school had, and mm-hmm. so we would just watch this and Dirty Dancing. Every yeah. weekend, all weekend long. Weird. That is yes. a great double feature. Yeah. I was going to say this is totally like. Dirty Dancing's younger cousin yep. with yep. more girl characters uh, and they're in the South and they really play up that they're in South Carolina. We just, I thought we were going to Fort Sumter and said we're going to Myrtle Beach and <laughs> learning our, about our sexuality. Yep. And oh, it's happening again. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, I, let's play this trailer and then I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> A time of Elvis, Fabian, Petal Scarves, Angel Flips, Itsy Bitsy Bikinis, Sweet Potatoes, and Purple Jesus. Proper Southern girls weren't twisting it. They were shaking it to the shack. This is the story of four faithful friends. A senator's daughter. I don't want anybody sitting on the front. Don't anybody use the telephone. Daddy's bourbon strictly off limits. A preacher's innocent child. Yeah. Holy shit, there's already so much Confederate flag imagery that I so never much. would have I, noticed. I actually did not I, remember I that part. I had to tag out, I even put in the time code for when they say a, a preacher's daughter, because this might be the greatest image, and I need to get a gif of it right now. A yeah. preacher Fonda in a little bikini, fl- basically flossing herself with a Confederate flag. Yeah. She don't mean her teeth, y'all. <laughs> no. No, I do not. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and Phoebe, Phoebe Cates, so I guess I shouldn't be weirded out by, by finding the sexy in the 80s. These no. are two of the sexiest no. 80s ladies ever. This um, trailer is sexy. Mm-hmm. So many bikinis. So many ladies having fun together. It's, it's, I love it, it. It's weird, though. Like All that stuff in the trailer they point out that people should be nostalgic for, that demographic's almost dead. <laughs> cool. Way to... <laughs> Way to make it fun. Oh, I'm sorry. Does that, do people listening have parents? I apologize for making <laughs> you think of that. Yeah. Thanks. So, yeah, you know, they, they laugh. They love. It's where, it's, based, it's like where the boys are or something. It's like a throwback movie mm-hmm. in like, but it's also sort of like a meta throwback movie because it's the 80s. And it's like we're making a movie that's like an early 60s movie, but it's also, but it's about early 60s, but it's going to be more mature and sexy times and, mm-hmm. and about like, I don't know, female empowerment a little bit and friendship and bonding and uh and dancing to staggerly they play staggerly like a thousand times apparently that's the only song you can shag to and is that that what the title means i don't even know i remember thinking it was a reference to to carpet it's a dance okay Okay. yeah it's a dance 
But now that, you know, Austin Powers has popularized the British mm-hmm. meaning, it seems like the worst title ever. Mm-hmm. Is it, uh, or maybe it's a double entendre. Ooh. And, and what can you set up what you have labeled as the greatest two seconds of film history? Oh, no, it's just Bridget Fonda uh, with the flag. Okay. <laughs> thank God. Nice. Um, thank God. I'll, I'll get you a gift of that as gift. soon as we're done. Please. Because uh, then here comes what was probably one of my favorite movies. I like discovering movies in the theater was something I didn't have as much control over over the, compared to video stores. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't heard me tell that story, my dad had a friend who had a video store. He preferred to go there over the chains, and this guy focused on Betamax, whereas my father didn't. And so the VHS, the VHS, or not VHS, yeah, VHS. Those choices were limited, so like, like there was like 20 movies appropriate for kids to view, so I would rent them over and over and over again. And uh, one of such starred uh, Getty, Getty Wantanabe, Wantanabe, Billy Barty, Kevin McCarthy, Michael Richards, Victoria Jackson, uh, Fran Drescher, and Weird Al Yankovic. The movie UHF. Don't touch that dial. Who is this guy? I'm the worst nightmare. It's Weird Al Yankovic in UHF. It's got adventure, intrigue. Oh, look at Mr. Frying Pan. Controversy, sex with furniture. What do you think? Cooking utensils. What better way to say I love you than with a spatula? So don't miss Weird Al Yankovic in UHF. Rated PG-13 starts Friday, July. Holy shit, I love this song. Uh, Weird Al, who wasn't even yet one of my favorite people in the world, made what was one of my favorite movies in the universe, UHF. Mm-hmm. I love that it's a title to a thing that no longer exists. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you're in, you're in Europe, I think it had the, the it, since they didn't have UHF stations, it was called the Vidiot. Or yeah. <laughs> uh, the Vidiot or the Vidiot, the Vidiot on UHF, because UHF was, man, do I even have to explain that? You had your top <laughs> dial on your television with 13 channels, mm-hmm. and then you had later... I guess years later they added a TV set with 40 more channels on the bottom dial mm-hmm. and those what? were your UHF stations. Yeah. Yeah. That's so many. And the joke was that they were on channel 62, the last UHF channel. Okay. And it's Weird Al who weirdly inherits a UHF station and all of a sudden comes up with all of his own original content. I think now that we watch, uh, we've watched cable and now streaming world struggle, struggle with original content. I have no idea how he did it. <laughs> He, he's simultaneously hosting a talk show and a children's show and has numerous pet shows and trial shows and uh, wonderful self-produced commercials for Spatula City. Spatula City! <laughs> Spatula City. I, I love this movie so much. I know it's dated. I find I, I feel like it'd be hard to recommend because it's, it's a little corny, but like it's perfect for a kid in the 80s. Well, man. one of yeah. uh, Sam's and my son's mm. friends from uh, school went, she was turning like 12, I think, mm-hmm. in middle school. And for her birthday party, they rented out our friend's Cap City Cap Video City Lounge Video. and showed this movie. This is like one of her favorite movies. Yeah. So it's, a, it's a dope kids it definitely, movie. Definitely, yeah. I mean, it definitely, for the cool kids, definitely has some sway. Right. If, if, if well, you... Yeah, because I mean, it's basically a sketch movie. Right. Yes. And I, I think that's when it really each show is like a goofy sketch, and that that's about it. And why Weird Al hasn't been given another movie, I will never understand. Because well, I I I had, I had to learn from let's just call it having girlfriends that Weird Al yeah. isn't for everybody, and kind of annoys some people. <sighs> and I think the movie 
it dims a little bit when it focuses on his real character, mm-hmm. George. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, he just goes, oh, man, what am I going to do? But, like, when he's in sketches and stuff as fake Stallone or fake Harrison Ford, like, it's all perfect. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's 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 so it's so lovable. And, yeah, you're right. It is uh, probably one of the last sketch comedy movies, like a, a, a hidden sketch comedy movie uh, mm-hmm. that we've ever seen. Yeah. And it's a perfect format for him. And it's just like, if you like Weird Al, it's the perfect movie. And again, if you've been listening to the show, it's just stuck in this wave of some of the best summer cinema of all time. Mm-hmm. And gets it yeah. just gets drowned in a sea of Ninja Turtles, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, and yeah. Batman. Yeah. It, wow. It, yeah, you're right. It's yeah. Every little boy had his his eyes towards something else, and mm-hmm. and and it just sucks because I I discovered it on video. We have a commentary, a full length commentary for it with my buddy uh, Diamond Dog Dave Rudden, who is also a fan. We have every line memorized. I could I. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's one of those movies that had its second life on VHS. Yeah, oh, that's completely. where everyone they found out. About it. I I don't know if I've ever met anyone who saw it in a theater. Yeah. yeah. No, this this was uh, ended up being like a slumber party movie mm-hmm. for folks my age. It's kind of perfect for that, though. I mean, yeah, because like if you don't like what's happening, wait two minutes, right? Because it's going to be a different sketch. If you don't like teaching poodles how to fly or finding out the turtles are nature sucking cups, then uh, <laughs> we're going to have you know Michael Richards' TV show where you can drink from the fire hose. Fire hose. <laughs> it is. It is. I think if I had to put it next to Kramer. Mm-hmm. It is my favorite mm. Michael Richards character, even though because it's so over the top. Mm. My mop, his fight scene <laughs> is so good. Uh, but Michael Richards, it's it's I, I know it can't be his debut, but mm-hmm. it's where I discovered him, and I'm like, who is this spastic, insane physical comedian? <laughs> this is fantastic. Yeah, you are underutilized in Problem Child. Another one of my favorite movies, oh, Michael yeah. Richards. Now I'm standing up for Michael Richards. God, I'm going to get letters. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh. But but uh, at the time, we didn't know. But in yeah. Victoria Jackson, as cute as a button, and there's not a single tinge to her at all. Fran- uh, Fran- uh, <laughs> she's just, I, she's someone who's like, I'm more just kind of concerned for her sure. than yeah. actually going to criticize anything she says. Yeah, yeah she's, she's, she's lucky fair, she's not Roseanne famous because she's guilty of all the same shit. Uh, and before Roseanne, too. Yeah. Like, for a while now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been there for a while. And Gere Watanabe... My God, that guy, whenever I see him speak with an actual, like, his regular accent, which is just a normal American accent, I just think, like, how do I feel about you, Gede Watanabe? Oh. Because, like, your entire career was playing ridiculous Asian stereotypes. It, it was, it, I, I almost hate, I feel bad for my parents. And it's like, you know, it's like the Hattie McDaniel quote of it's better to be a maid than, or play a maid than be a maid. Yeah. It's kind of like, what? That's what they're paying for. So I got, ching I got paid for Wheel of Fish. I, I know. I feel bad for my my parents because like we watch this. Not only do we watch this all the time, everyone now has a Nintendo in their house, and usually not as many TVs as we do now. So all the little boys are occupying the TV, playing Nintendo, and, and they're in a group. And anyone dies, they're yelling, "Stupid! You're so stupid!" Endlessly for like three years, we would just use his line from Wheel of Fish. Nothing. <laughs> it makes me laugh so much, and, and you would be happy, Diana, because my dad kind of dug this movie too. And mm-hmm. he, we were watching Rahul's Wild Kingdom, which he's referenced constantly. A uh, animal yep. animal expert show from a man who is very much not an animal expert. In, and he just lives in a shitty apartment. Lives in a shitty apartment and is is treating animals almost like Mickey Mouse in a black and white cartoon, and and just sort of abuse across the board. And uh, there's a. Uh, there's a bunch of like when we talk when we talk about the Simpsons and stuff. 
at least UHF, every reference I understood, even though I hadn't like seen Rambo, I knew that was a Rambo reference. Uh-huh. The one I didn't mm-hmm. was Raul's Wild Kingdom reference to badgers. We don't need no stinking badgers. Uh- <laughs> reference to the treasure of Sarah Madre. So then, then you know, next week, my dad's sitting me down for a John Huston movie uh, to, show, <laughs> to show me what Raul's Wild Kingdom is referencing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's did just, it help you? Do you feel that movie's like it fantastic? Made you better? Yeah, I'm so glad I, I found that movie at a young age. I've yeah. been I've been like hankering to watch it now. Mm. It's the oh, second God. best it's Humphrey so Bogart movie. Dark and paranoid, <laughs> and you're what like ten? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see about the death of the human soul? <laughs> Dads are fun with that way. <laughs> I can't. This isn't even like. This is even like the most famous movie from 1989. I don't even Not know how much close. longer we can talk about it. Not even close. But I love it. I love yeah. it so much, and just. I find it hard to recommend the most amongst all these other movies, but like I want people to love it to remember this is celebrating its 30th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And that we have a commentary on patreon.com slash laser time mm-hmm. supporting the whole network and the show. Yep. Um, well, uh, out of, I mean, I guess 89 is pretty much straight recommends. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. Shag is a light recommend because mm-hmm. it's just something different. Uh, but yeah, y- it's so weird that like, yeah, okay, Shag and UHF, those are sort of cult movies. And then the other two movies are like, legitimate classics yeah and it's so weird that we're talking about them together and they're just going to overshadow everything else yeah I, I could i could see both of these movies making it in the top 10 of the 1980s or at least 89 oh a hundred percent yeah i'm sure they are one of there. them one of them is on the top 100 afi list wow i don't doubt it's it. an actual classic and the other one is on their top list of 100 comedies, comedies. so let's yeah. get to the comedy first oh yeah uh ladies and, and gentlemen. i love the wagon wheel Table. <laughs> and I, uh, this was my ex's. Uh, I spent a long time her favorite movie. So I got, I didn't get to discover it until a few years ago. Oh, wow. And, and I, I just want to say, I have nowhere else to say it. Uh, in the wake of the death of Rip Torn, I've been watching mm. a lot of the Larry Sanders show, which is so, sort of at this, I can't believe in 20 years, it's, it's like heaven's talk show because of how many dead people are <laughs> oh, on that's, it. Oh, gosh, that is true. Including yeah. like, a major side character is Bruno Kirby. Right. Who, who was in a ton of stuff I watched in the 80s, and he's in a ton of Larry Sanders. So I just wanted to say that. We also have Carrie Fisher, Meg Ryan, <laughs> Billy Crystal, in uh, one of the most famous romantic comedies of all time, When Harry Met Sally. Men and women can't be friends because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him, too. No, I don't like to eat between meals. (laughs) I'll roll down the window. A faceless guy rips off your clothes, and that's the sex fantasy you've been having since you were 12. Exactly the same. Well, sometimes I vary it a little. Which part? What I'm wearing. You tell her. <laughs> these are not these are funny lines. It's so good. Is, is this? It's not the screenwriting debut of Nora Ephron, but no, no. But it's. Uh, I think at this point, everyone's like, "This woman should just direct her own movies." Yeah, and and would after this because uh, I just I think I yeah. always assume this is written by Billy Crystal because I hate almost everything he's in <laughs> except for, Ooh, except that's for the pretty fair except yeah. for the Rob Reiner stuff. Rob yeah. Reiner seemed to know how to use yeah. Billy Crystal and and yeah. I don't know Meg Ryan. I guess this is her, like, I don't know, maybe her biggest moment. Mm-hmm. Am I yeah. crazy to think mm-hmm. then? No. I, I, 
think so. We've had her pop up here and there. She was in the Presidio, I think, last year. Mm-hmm. She's popped up and stuff, but this is like her becoming Meg Ryan, American yeah. sweetheart. Yeah, not this not pretty lady map. who there's a, there's a female part. Let's put her in it. Just right. like no, yep. she can kind of carry her own movie with her own characters. Now after this movie, there are Meg Ryan parts. Yes. Yes, yep. that are still being cast to this day without Meg Ryan. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when Harry met Sally, but just I I, I have a very very uh, low threshold for romantic comedies, mm-hmm. but this is yeah this is this is fun. It's 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 this is the romantic comedy. Like y- this is the the proto like. Uh, you're right because part of the problem with romantic comedy. comedies are like this isolated moment of people falling in love, and when they finally get together, the camera cuts off, and you see none of their problems. Right. Whereas this movie mm-hmm. is too people who encounter each other over the course of decades and constantly have problems. Well, and I think a big component of ro- the the thing that makes romantic comedies mm-hmm. comedy is the part where they build a friendship, mm-hmm. where the two leads build a friendship because otherwise you have like the English patient or something <laughs> where it's like romantic but no comedy, yeah. but you don't really you're not like, "Oh my god, they're best friends and they yeah. also love each other." She made him a splint. Right. <laughs> but if you look at like all the other romantic comedies that came after this and that you you look at the scenes where they're they're mm-hmm. becoming friends they're yeah. joking around mm-hmm. they're not in bed like having romantic moments they're eating they're talking they're walking they're joking around they're learning about each other's families that's what you do with friends too and i think is that so, we play the clip of the trailers from their first meeting where he billy crystal's being a total fucking Un, an observant pig about himself and it's just he's being an actually guy yeah well <laughs> the guy in his 20s i'd like to think i'm more aware of, but i i was definitely that guy and the story is is that they're kind of they're not set up romantically at the beginning she's mm. giving him right. a ride somewhere to college as, yeah from college because mm. her friends asked her to do that and mm. that's how they start to get to know each other it's the original ride share yeah, and then they put he puts forth this idea that men and women can't be friends ever mm-hmm. because men always want to have sex with women. Yeah, no, that doesn't check out. But right, uh, yeah. and then and then they have friends that like they meet up again later, and they have friends that they set up, and then the friends get married. That's mm-hmm. Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher. So now they're sort of like stuck in each other's orbit mm-hmm. more, and. Yeah, I mean, I also, I do not like romantic comedies in general. And when we get to 2009, we'll have a perfect example of why. Because (laughs) we're going to get another romantic comedy where it is crass and stupid and Mm. insulting. And they don't feel like real characters. Mm -hmm. And these actually feel like real characters. Like, Mm -hmm. they remind me of people I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. And they're kind of like, but they're also sort of like, neurotic and then they have their own problems and like get bothered by little dumb stuff in like a kind of Seinfeldian way. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It actually feels believable. Well, the conversations that they have with each other feel real. Mm-hmm. They feel like conversations yeah. that you have with your friends that you're getting when you're getting to know them, like mm-hmm. reoccurring dreams you have and, you know, the minutia of your everyday life. Yeah. And, and seeing, seeing one another through different stages of your life yeah. w- without being a couple mm-hmm. like right. that, that, that is just really interesting to me as I've gotten this old. <laughs> yep. and embarrassing each other in Katz's Deli by faking orgasms. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes, I'll, I'll, I encourage people to check out the parody of that with uh, Maria Bamford and Zach Galifianakis doing the orgasm part. 
and like <laughs> yeah that's the one part where i could do without ever seeing that scene again it's not fair because i'm sure that was like the the funniest scene in the universe when it came out but i never saw it until i saw fifty thousand parodies of it right, right. but it Seen is it still every montage funny that rob reiner's mother is the one that says i'll have what she's having sure. i love I that think <laughs> i yeah. think that's nice yeah that's very and there, re- there was actually an article with rob reiner recently talking about this movie and he claims and i think this is just a story he wants to impress upon people that sounds cute but he's like in the original cut they weren't supposed to get together i was gonna leave them apart and then i met my i had been i had been single for a long time and met my wife while making the movie and decided to change it because i had a changed outlook on relationships i'm like you didn't write the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know that you did that. Yeah. I'm not sure that that happened. Maybe give it back to Nora Ephron, you know, because <laughs> yes. she, Cause she can't argue. and she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, in some ways, I would have preferred that. I, think it, I, think I guess it, I'm, just, I'm just that cynical enough of a jerk that I would prefer it if they, they aren't together at the end, because I do think that men and women can be friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they can even be friends, even if they do bang for some reason. And then yeah. they're just like, you know what? No, that's not who we are. We're friends. Right. I don't know what you're talking about. Like Jerry and Elaine. As I talk to my two lady <laughs> yeah. friends on a microphone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I've talked before about how much I love stories mm-hmm. about friendship, mm-hmm. just pure friendship. Like, I don't think that's a relationship that is celebrated enough in pop culture of like best friends. And... You miss Detroiters. Yeah. Yeah, I really miss Detroiters <laughs> so much, you guys. <laughs> it's so good. Um, and and so I I don't disagree with you. I like the ending that they get together because mm-hmm. I like seeing a relationship develop over years. That's so much more realistic to me yeah. that, you know, as someone who is in my past, my dating history really only includes being friends with someone and then us getting into a relationship. Um, mm-hmm. That feels so much more realistic to me than oh. the more common paradigm of, I don't know, meeting cute in a bar or meeting online mm-hmm. or something like that. All of that kind of dating world stuff is very foreign. To I, I got to tell you, like I'm uh, terrible at advice and relationships. This is bonus time material, <laughs> but like as, as Chrissy is single for the first time in a decade and, and is moving, moved back to his own home, hometown and flipping through the apps. I keep finding people I haven't seen or thought of since sometimes elementary school. And it's mm-hmm. like, ew, are we like destined? Like, like, <laughs> I don't. What do, what, what do I swipe? Do I when Harry met Sally, this person that decades later, this person I haven't thought of, but had a connection mm-hmm. with decades ago, might be the person I end up dating or l- worse, marrying. I mean, oh, it's, it's such a bizarre your, thought. If the grimace on your face right now is any indication, no, I don't think that's your destiny. <laughs> it just, it's just not how you saw your life going. Like I never thought of this person like that, but they've hmm. been in and out of my life it's not someone I thought about every day. And I think that's sort of how Harry, when Harry met Sally sets it up Two people who don't really have an interest in one another. Yeah. Uh, But almost repulsed by each other at times too, which feels also real at times. But yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Whenever any of my friends have ever asked me for dating advice or my sister, my younger sister, I've always been like, I don't know, get to be best friends with someone, then force them to marry you. That's what I did. It worked out great for me. Yeah. <laughs> Decently for him. Yeah. 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 He definitely got the shit end on that one, for sure. He could have brought a bigger TV into the home. Any, anyway, sorry. Uh, when Harry met Sally, anything else on this die? Holy shit. No. Uh, no. This, I mean, it's definitely one of the top movies of the year. Uh, definitely one with the, the longest uh, legacy. Legacy. I guess. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, it's one of the best romantic comedies of all time, if not the best. Period. Mm-hmm. Done. End. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, 
We're not done. And we yeah. have more to talk about. Because the next movie is even more important and to yeah. me even better. And I hate yes. saying it. It's it feels it still feels to me like the best thing the director's ever done uh, 30 years ago. Yeah. And it's it's yeah. it's not his first film, but it's it's almost there. Uh, and it just has and it somehow has Nick Fury Martin and Gus Fring in it. Like just <laughs> <laughs> like among all these other things. Uh, Danny Aiello, Ozzy Davis, Ruby D, Giancarlo Esposito, Spike Lee, Bill, Bill Nund, uh, John Turturro, do the right thing. From Spike Lee. Who told you to my side of the block? Who told you to be in my neighborhood? On the hottest day of the summer. Woo! It's going to be a scorcher today. You can do nothing. You the man. Are you the man. No, you the man. Are you the man. Back right there. You can do something. Trust me. Mookie, the last time I trusted you, we ended up with a son. Or you can. Do the right thing. Rated R. God damn, it's such a cool title. You forgot Rosie Perez. <laughs> I did forget Rosie Perez. Oh, Rosie I, Perez and her debut. Oof. I forgot a ton Love of people. Because uh, this this movie is just all over the place with people you'll recognize in yeah. small, small parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hold up. Just Sam Jackson, like a, just he could have oh, been the yeah. narrator of the whole movie, and he's sort of he's just he a narrator of, for parts of the movie. He's like the Greek chorus. Yeah, he's, this this mm. this movie is just fucking fantastic. Yeah. Uh do Spike yeah. Lee's do the right thing. Mm. It's it's one I went back and watched, and also um, I had to bring up the AFI list. It's on the AFI Top 100 list, uh, and the um, uh, what's the podcast called? Unspooled. Why am I stupid? Unspooled. Yeah, Unspooled just talked about it like last week. Yeah, and and they talked to Spike, which was pretty funny. Um, he remembers every bad review verbatim. He's Ooh. very upset about it still. Oh, I like <laughs> I like that about him, <laughs> but. They, I mean, they go through it and they talk about my favorite things about it is that it's complicated because yep. it's yes. a movie oh about God, race yes. and it's about gentrification and it's about identity and it's about family and it's about so many things and nobody is right and nobody is wrong mm-hmm. and there's gooder guys and badder guys, but no one is a villain or a hero mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it, the, the people feel generally real and the way it's shot, you can feel how it's the hottest day of the year. You like, you can feel it, and you get yeah. a feel for this neighborhood, and these people, so quickly. And, and sweat on everybody's sense. upper lip. Oh, it's 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 so great. Well, yeah. and the conversations that people have <clears throat> in this movie, which <clears throat> are really deep conversations about race and and people's relationships with with each other. Well, Frankie Faye, uh, yeah, he's also in this movie. It feels so yeah. real um, because. Um, Usually when I watch a movie like this and someone's having a deep conversation like that, it doesn't feel very organic. Mm-hmm. But in a situation like this where it's so hot and everyone's mm-hmm. just kind of hanging around, that's where these things come up. That's where yeah. people have conversations like this. So it does feel more organic. I mean, well, I that's like. what I've, I've literally noticed as someone who does podcasts for a living now. Like if I can force an important conversation on the microphone, but mm-hmm. when we're off mic, most of us just want to fucking relax. Uh, like the, the idea if you're outside because it's too hot or you're working, mm-hmm. those are where those conversations come into play, mm-hmm. like sort of deeper conversations about the meaning of life and shit. Right. Uh, and and, and yeah. usually more intimately and just there's like, there's so many, what do you call, I don't want to call them tribes, but like different subsects of the movie that mm-hmm. sort of all come together at the end. It's sort of like this weird mm-hmm. story of a, a hot day in Brooklyn, right. all different corners of it in a uh, slowly gentrified neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah, I love that. That's you d- one of the many, many things that this movie is about, and that it's like a yeah black neighborhood in Bed Stuy, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. But but it, it didn't used to around. be yells Danny Aiello. It used to be all yeah. Italians, and I'm not a, I'm not happy that it's changed, and I don't want to change my restaurant with it. And like right, and you can see like well, you're not wrong, but you're also not right either, man. Mm-hmm. Like it right. would have been really easy yeah. for you to put a picture of any black person on the wall, and you would have pleased everybody who bought your shit. You don't yeah, have to. It's not legally required. Right. But it was the right thing to do. Yep. So, yeah. And it's about, yeah, the pizzeria owned by Danny Aiello. His delivery guy, Spike Lee. You know, his son. He's got two sons. John Turturro is the one that's more flagrantly racist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have a conversation about it. It's like, you know, Danielle is like, you know, all these kids, they grow up on my food. You know, yeah. and he's right. proud of that. Yeah, but I also, he just club. stands there when his son is saying racist shit. And then Spike Lee points out, like, who's your favorite basketball player you jordan mm-hmm. who, who's your favorite oh, musician yeah. michael jackson prince mm-hmm. what the hell's your yeah. problem yeah where yeah. does this and come from it just it yeah and it's it's all about the yeah, people yeah failing to say the right thing at the right time or having their own inner conflicts and and then it explodes mm-hmm. and we get into the issue of policing and police violence mm-hmm. which is so fucking timely and it makes me upset in 30 years we this movie could have been made yesterday and everyone would be like wow it's so of the now yeah, it's, it's so, so fucked up my dad forced not forced me to but he made me watch this one in 89 mm-hmm. and uh it was it was difficult to wrap my head around especially because of i would really liked uhf oh and, and also when you're <laughs> a little kid you want these sort of moral conflicts to be yeah. black and white you want to be yes. able to have a good guy and a bad guy yes. and it is even as an adult and to be resolved watching... but it took me years to uh, to understand because for me the death of radio rahim spoiler at the end of the film was like whoa that's so out of nowhere but then like when i was finally talking to a black person about it like 10 years later and like no that's just a plausible ending yeah to the film that's not a yeah. weird ending for for a person of color and also that's how that happens yeah it feels like yeah. it comes out of nowhere because it is so shocking yeah so here's my confession hmm. I watched this movie for the first time last night. Oh, goodness. Um, okay. Sometimes I get really, like, in my head about watching big movies like this mm-hmm. because I want the, like, I want it to be just right. Like, I want to be in the right mindset. I want to not be distracted. And, you know, my life is so busy that sometimes it's hard for me to get there. So I just resort to my same old shit. But this was, I knew how important this was and I mm-hmm. knew I absolutely needed to watch this. And... I'm kind of glad I watched it at this point ever, in my it. life mm. oh, and really? at this point mm. in the United States. Like because like you said, it could have been made yesterday. It was it was being I brought mean, up a lot it, in conversation with the Green Book winning the Oscar because yeah. this was totally yes. denied an Oscar right. like almost intentionally. Right. And to the point yeah. where Kim Basinger like said it in the Oscars. Yeah. Like why wasn't yeah. this nominated? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I hope that I don't want to scare people off and that this is about heavy, you know, subject matter and that this is an important movie. And so you should see it because it's also entertaining. Oh, it's funny as fuck. It Martin is? Lawrence is a stutter. This is just oh, one of the, yeah. one of the ingredients. <laughs> so one of many. That's, yes. That's all, that should sell everyone right yeah. there. Martin Lawrence stuttering. <laughs> and also there are absolute moments of joy there too mm-hmm. i mean it just shows like the full spectrum of human emotion really honestly mm-hmm. and it's sexy mm-hmm. at times mm-hmm. and it's ex- there are God points that are breasts. very very <laughs> joyful <laughs> i've always said that, and the worst thing about it is sadly spike lee like casting himself as the lead like where he can i didn't think he was bad i just think he's not bad he but can, I, he's not an he's actor surrounded. you're surrounded by power yeah houses. what is it i mean yeah 
got it. Like he's just very low key, and maybe that's what the character needed because because so. Mookie is the central character, but like it's not really about him. It's about everybody he comes in contact with every every moment. That's why every he day. needed to be so low key. Yeah. I feel like. Yeah, I know. I just like I feel it, like that's kind Spike of Lee didn't cast it. Well, no, he did, and he wasn't a lot of Malcolm X, wasn't he? But he didn't really cast himself as the lead of his film ever again. Mm. And uh, but but I'm saying that's how good the movie is. Mm-hmm. That a non actor in the lead doesn't hurt the movie at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm revising my statement. Don't squint at me. I like uh, it better when he does it than when fucking <laughs> Quentin Tarantino does it. So. Oh, I had an Australian accent. <laughs> Australian accent in Django. It was it was, it was a right crikey. So cool. Sorry for all of our Australian <laughs> listeners. Uh, but it did the right thing. And I I uh, I've been showing it to people because I I just I don't know why my dad showed it to me at mm-hmm. nine. It was I think it, mm-hmm. that might have been a little inappropriate because I just didn't mm-hmm. comprehend it. Why did the black people right. do that, Dad? Like right. stupid mm-hmm. questions like that. And um, and I show it to people as I've learned as I learned to appreciate it throughout my teenage years and into college. And it always, always, always creates a conversation. And I don't yes. know many yeah. movies that do that anymore. A hundred percent. I mean, the, there's a conver- the movie ends with a conversation mm-hmm. with right before the credits when he rolls the two quotations, mm-hmm. one from uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. and the other from Malcolm X. That's a conversation. Yep. Those two quotations, like if you view them together, those are two people having a conversation with each other yeah. about the same thing. Probably mm-hmm. disagreeing on a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but still yeah. hanging out together, mm-hmm. having a good time. Yeah. Yeah, until, I mean, they, until they did it, but I was. And, and if you like, oh, and if you like Spike Lee movies, this has a ton of Spike Lee people. Ozzy Davis, I yeah. forget the dude's name, but he's, on, he's there's a bunch of people from Get on the Bus. Um, like I, I can't say enough good things about Do the Right Thing, and, and it's, it's phenomenal. I don't want to make it seem like a, a homework assignment. Like you should see this no. movie. This movie, like mm-hmm. Diana said, is entertaining as. It is. That's part of the reason yeah. why I put it off for a while is because I was like, I don't know. Like, I got to be in the right place to see this thing that I know has a. I knew the ending already. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew it, it mm-hmm. got dark and it got very heavy at times and everything. But honestly, I was surprised by how, like, joyful and mm-hmm. funny and sexy and interestingly, you know, shot and everything. All of that comes together to make it not just this, like, dark watch that you have to like and so if, you, if really you're keeping up with the for. show and watching any movie that's not Batman you can see mm-hmm. the talent in Spike Lee as a filmmaker mm-hmm. like he oh, is yeah. he's the black Scorsese he's he's like he's doing things that are tech in 89 insane and jarring to people in oh. terms of like framing mm-hmm. sequences there is a lot of stuff that's jarring the little interlude where they yeah. just have people speaking to the camera yeah. with the all the different <laughs> slurs was <laughs> shocking <laughs> and so interesting and fun and creative <laughs> no it's like it's yeah. it's uh, like if you weren't born in the era this is made like a lot of these things are standard in all movies now and commercials because spike lee would go on to direct a lot of commercials and seriously he spike lee had a crazy influence on commercials mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. uh and and just I, I do when you if you watch it like imagine in a weekend at bernie's <laughs> following weekend at bernie's being released <laughs> in the theater this movie comes out and yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I'll shut up. I don't know what else I could say. About oh, yeah. and it's also, like, I just, I almost, I want, I want complexity like this from Spike Lee again, yeah. because I mean, and there's some of it there. Like I think about Black Klansman mm-hmm. and there's, there's some of it there where again, it's not totally clean cut. Mm-hmm. That's there's why com- I, I complimented get on, get on the bus because it, 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 yeah. it is the heavier movie with a lot of like, it is all conversations on a bus. Mm-hmm. But this yeah. is this one is just has a ton of fun sequences. Um, yeah. And the, so it, it's truly. I mean, the the mm-hmm. white guy with the bicycle mm-hmm. in his Celtics jersey. I I related <laughs> that to 
just ha- like uh, living in a in San Francisco in a neighborhood just slowly getting gentrified and no one's saying that to me but you can feel yeah. it and it's it's just like what am I supposed to do move I'm like no but yeah well, how about just don't oh. be a dick? Yeah. You know? Yeah, don't be a dick and definitely do not scuff bugging out's shoes. Come on. They're That's ruined. the easiest thing to not do. Well, I mean, Oh I... my God. I know I'm just thinking about people who've only seen Giancarlo Esposito from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Isn't that <laughs> fun? Just bugging out is so different. You might think that all Giancarlo Esposito does is quietly stares with uh... intensity and not s- <laughs> screams with hilarious in- intensity. Yeah. Like in this movie, <laughs> with, with hair as high is the heavens right with interesting <laughs> shapes cut out of it yes. too it's pretty amazing i mean just for the it's a, and it's also a great 90s time capsule especially in terms fashion. of fashion oh yeah. my gosh that was yeah. the next thing i was gonna bring up mm. is just the clothes are so oh, and, good and the perfect scoring of like almost a single song uh it's, from public enemy like yes. made for the movie but then classical yeah. and just that's to me was almost as jarring as some of the images mm-hmm. is how quickly the score would switch from scene to scene and even within the same scene from classical to back to public entity Emily Enemy. <laughs> I am getting it, t- it, I'm so excited it, about these movies. We did, I, I remember having an interesting conversation about that that may, and I, I don't think it checks out, but that yeah. maybe that public enemy song is the only song that plays diegetically or in the movie and every other jazz thing you hear is a mm. score put in mm. by a filmmaker. Mm-hmm making the public enemy fight the power like that's the biggest song of the summer so mm-hmm. it's playing everywhere like when i was in la that one summer and carly ray jepson came out with call me maybe and sure. like I, i'm Very hearing similar. this from four blocks away <laughs> yeah in, in stereo <laughs> out of sync like right. this song is fucking everywhere yeah uh, but i like thinking i i would love i don't think that checks out but i did like that like that that might be the biggest song of the summer and it's, it's Everybody is hearing the song Fight the Power yeah. in a volatile area at a volatile time at a volatile temperature. What do you make of the opening with Rosie Perez oh, and I the dancing? It. It's her fly girl uh, roots from In, in Living Color. It was crazy. It's a Wait, crazy way to start the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. just it, it's like I'd say it's like a music video, but it's really more like it reminded me of Sesame Street. <laughs> it looks like how I dance in my bedroom by myself. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's just wild. Yeah. It's it's yeah, great. It is really intense. And I guess she had to do that for like a whole day. She oh was dra- dancing that intense for like eight hours straight, which is like, yeah, I'm ready to put on boxing gloves and fuck someone up too. Yeah. It is a wild way to start the movie with someone who, you know, is in the movie but doesn't have a huge role and is almost mm-hmm. kind of the comic relief. She may sometimes. have her only nudity. Yeah. That's not her only nudity. Mm-hmm. No, it, it, in the movie. Oh, okay. But it, again, my man can't jump is burned into my brain. <laughs> they're disconnected boobies. It could be anyone's. <laughs> it's true. I, I, it's not, true. I have not come back to check this either. Uh, but I remembered it because that was the oh, just one of the few moments like this in Terminator where like, why am I seeing titties with my dad? <laughs> <laughs> just started to like these. I hate that moment. Uh, <laughs> mm. uh, but do the right thing. Uh, you you really. I think you really owe it to yourself to watch it if you haven't. Absolutely. And um, yep. yeah, if you have, it, it, and it's totally worth a rewatch. It holds up until racism is solved. <laughs> I don't know yeah. that the movie won't hold up forever. Well, and do yourself a favor and watch it with someone because mm-hmm. after you're done, you're going to want to talk about it. Yeah. You're going to want to talk yeah. it out. So mm-hmm. you really need to yeah. grab a buddy, <laughs> yeah. watch it. Last thing I'll say about it: perfect title. It's like the perfect. perfect fucking title. It's introduced yeah. the, the, the best way possible from a cruddy old homeless man who calls himself the mayor. Hey, Mookie, what? Oh, we did the right thing. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, and then the relationship, too, between... I'm sorry. Well, you were almost done. But the mm-hmm. whole relationship, too, with the Asian family mm-hmm. who opens up mm. shop there, too, that's a whole nother, like, layer of... Yeah. They're not really gentrifiers either, but they are... And Immigrants they've had their own, ske- their own struggles. Immigrants and with power, scary things in big cities. It's, mm. it's so good. There's mm-hmm. so much there. It's... Yep. Seriously, watch this movie, people. It's I don't think of it like a homework assignment. It'll it's fun. No, it is fun. It is no. fun. Um, and then watch UHF for the worst double feature ever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> man, this whole wow. Okay, forty minutes. And in, we're not even done. And I haven't because talked about one got, of my favorite shows of all time. Okay, we've got TV to talk about, and is one of my favorite shows of all time too. Lightly moving in. To television on the 20th. 20... Let's head up north. It's too hot in Bed-Stuy. We're going to head up north to Canada. Oh, On the 21st of July, debuts For My Money. Um, I could I go back and forth calling this the greatest sketch comedy of all time. Of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Between like Mr. Show and SNL. Even though SNL doesn't, it, it's just not as consistent. It's just done more. <laughs> it's had 40 years. Sure. If it has one bad sketch a year, it equals almost five five years of this content. This show being, if you don't recognize it, I hate you. Oh! Greatest television theme song of all time. Uh, and I like pointing out my favorite TV intros are people just driving through a city. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, this is the first non-SNL show produced by Lorne Michaels, which is not something he did a lot. And I don't think he did it again until Portlandia, which is a cool song driving through a town. That's true. And that's how that show opens. But ladies and gentlemen, The Kids in the Hall debuts technically its first episode in America, weirdly on HBO. Mm-hmm. And uh, holy shit, were we, ha- were we happy motherfuckers. Because uh, like, oh, at we this were- time, I didn't have HBO. I looked forward to sleeping over at friends' houses so we could watch horror movies and Tales in the Crypt. And Kids in the Hall came on, and like it was sort of perfect. Mm-hmm. If you have, if you only seen it on Comedy Central, because Comedy Central used to air the show four times a day, and I'd watch it mm-hmm. all four times a day. And I, uh, this is a cute memory. My dog Maggie, uh, she would come upstairs when she heard the Kids in the Hall theme song because I'd scratch her belly to the tune of the song. <laughs> so every time, the, every time the show would come up, my my dog would come running into my room. Um, but that's by Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet. Uh, but I believe this debuted in the, on the CBC a little earlier. Yeah. Uh, it it mm-hmm. debuted on an hour-long special a year prior, so people could like see what it looked like, see if they wanted to make this a series. Because like, what sketch comedy did we have in '89? It was like almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Living Colors, yeah. it hasn't happened yet. There's been some weird stuff on HBO, but reruns of Monty Python seem to be okay, and that's probably the best mm-hmm. comparison with Kids in the Hall. One hundred percent. That's uh, I always said. Yeah, kids in the hall are picking up the Monty Python mantle, and it's not just because they're wearing dresses. <laughs> no, it, I, it's I, also there's. It's not the level of absurdity of Monty Python, but sometimes it gets there. Sometimes, but it, but um, there's a, a surrealism and kind of a filmmaking touch to kids in the hall that makes it mm-hmm. really fun to still watch. They have your traditional SNL stage sketches, and then these short films that are amazing. <laughs> That is so much fun to watch. And and I think they describe it. It is it is a very, very dark show told through yeah. the the mouths of these adorable Canadian lads with a <laughs> big giant smile. It's true. There is technically a lot of darkness under the surface, but it's all silly and fun. Mm-hmm. But a, a wonderful relationship fights. And at the time, I don't know that it's a big deal now, but it was a lot was made out of they actually play the women on the show and like 
so did Monty Python. And like, why is this crazy? Mm-hmm. But it's, it is a cool touch. I did grab yeah. a clip of the. But it also, I feel like it's because they played attractive women. Monty Python, they played Pepper Potts most of the time. And then they huh. would bring in, uh, they bring in Carol Cleveland to play a busty, sexy lady. But like, you know, the office workers who make fun of the temp or the, the French Canadian prostitutes, they're like fairly <laughs> attractive. Rudy. Oh, oh God. Rudy is the. Oh, kids in the hall. There's so many great things. And I had just, I like, what sketch introduced kids in the hall to the world? Mm-hmm. And so I Ooh. went back to, to grab that, even though, yeah, there, there was an hour pilot. But that's, but I, I am reading, I'm in the middle of reading a book on kids in the hall. I didn't even know this was coming up on the show. Um, mm-hmm. um, I think it's called One Dumb Guy. I think the joke that yep. together the five of them equal one dumb guy. <laughs> uh, written by Paul Myers, who's Mike Myers' brother. And and part of that book is the the stuff I don't know about the show because I've read every interview with Kids in the Hall I've ever done pretty much love the Kids in the Hall but um what I love hearing now on podcast interviews if you were a Canadian a Canadian especially a weird Canadian boy let's say <laughs> uh, this show wasn't cult it was mainstream and it made everybody feel good it was what everybody was talking about when everyone came to school the next day it was this huge phenomenon and before it was a show for four or five years. It was a live thing that people all around Toronto made it a point oh, to pack wow. the entire house. And that's that's how they were discovered. That's why Lauren Michaels, because he's a Canadian visiting sure. his hometown, I guess, discovered these guys and gave them think Mark and Mark and Bruce had writing jobs in SNL. I don't know. I don't know. That's not interesting. But uh, we were talking about the ladies in dresses. This is just this is the, the cold open to kids in the hall. Mm-hmm. And I just love it. It's it's two girls dialing a telephone. Tiffany? Tabitha? What are you doing? What are you doing? I was just calling you. But I was just calling you. But it didn't ring here. It didn't ring here either. Oh my God, I love it when that happens. So I just... I have no idea why that was the foot they led with, but like, there, I, I love a sketch show that has this many 20-second sketches. Yeah. And they do. They really, really do. But it's like, so I was saying about their fandom in the first episode, you hear the audience going insane Mm -hmm. during the first episode, including recognizing characters that technically no one has ever seen before. That's good. That's like (laughs) the perfect way to start off your sketch show with people already saying, this is funny, you guys. Trust us. This is funny. We already love it. So this is like halfway through the episode. Yeah. We meet a character that eventually becomes, I think, one of its most oft-quoted, thanks to Mark McKinney, who I think Mm -hmm. I can say declaratively made the most quotable Kids in the Hall Mm. sketch characters. He doesn't get any credit for that. Superstores Mark McKinney. Hey, Wall Street. Don't panic. I mean, I'm only crushing your heads. Crush you. I don't know how to describe this in a way that would make it fun for people who haven't seen the show. It's like when you look at someone from really far away and you pretend like you're crushing. You your pretend head. like you're crushing your head because of force perspective. That came from kids in the hall. It, every kid was wow. saying it. I had no in idea. In like 1990, uh, I'm crushing heads. Yep. Yeah. And you, you can hear the audience going insane for this character, mm-hmm. even though American audience were seeing him for the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I just thought that was man interesting. Um, and I did capture my favorite sketch from the show. Because another thing I liked about oh. Kids in the Hall, I, I just mentioned their their light darkness and uh, that they would occasionally do monologues. And they're all good. Like no other sketch mm-hmm. show does that mm-hmm. where it's just one guy talking to camera or is, I, hi, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Dave, Dave Foley. And I'm just going to 
I have a great attitude towards menstruation. <laughs> this is a real sketch. And again, I think I think all of this dates really well. Not so much Mark McKinney in blackface, which is also in this episode. Mm. Smoking mm. on the night train. Scary. Why? I know. I, I still I can't hate it, but it's and it's like I I real mean, bad blackface. They came through on a stage show, and he did Mississippi Gary. He just doesn't do blackface for it. Yeah. That's fine. And it's, but it is, it is like the worst kind of blackface. It's the one you see caricatured in pictures. Yikes! <laughs> uh, but oh, I just Canadians wrote it. are different. But this is this is to me a perfect example of what Kids in the Hall did well. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I remember even watching SNL. I didn't know everybody's name at the end because they weren't using the, their own names in the sketches, which mm-hmm. Kids in the Hall would occasionally do, especially mm-hmm. during these monologues. And uh, this is maybe a little long, but I love it. It's my favorite sketch from the a whole show, which contains Eradicator. It has the first appearance of Kathy. Um, <laughs> Kathy with a K. Bruce McCullough's Kathy. Uh, but just Dave Foley on stage at this point. I, I was just uh, wanting to tell you about something that happened uh, uh, during this week of rehearsal, something that we sort of came across, something, well, that we sort of discovered. Um... Uh, and certainly nothing that we ever expected to do as a comedy troupe, and I'm sure it's nothing that you as a, as a comedy audience ever expected to hear from a comedy troupe, but, uh... Okay, here it is. Uh... We discovered the cause of cancer. Uh... Uh, the, the, the best thing to do here is just, just to, uh, to, to bring Bruce out here. Uh, Bruce, are you there? Uh, Bruce McCullough, ladies and gentlemen. Bruce McCullough. Bruce McCullough. Thanks. Uh, Bruce has something that he'd like to say to everyone. Uh, go ahead, Bruce. Hi. Go on, Bruce. Hi. Just do it, Bruce. Come okay, on. Okay, ask me. Uh, well, I would like to. Yeah, I'll just do it. Fine. We'll do it. Just go. <laughs> Dave Foley, ladies uh, and no. gentlemen. <laughs> just do it, Bruce. Just, you're wasting a lot of time. Bruce McCullough would like to say, Bruce, please. I'm sorry I caused all that cancer. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It, I, there weren't a lot of cancer jokes in 89, and Bruce McCullough would make it a character. Wow. Uh, cancer boy. Uh, but I I love Kids in the Hall so so fucking much, and I oh, yeah. I think once every five years I pop out a sketch. It is it is astonishing the output of that show. Twenty episodes is one of my other favorite sketch shows, Mister Show. Uh, Kids in the Hall made almost as many episodes as Mister Show made in its entire run in their first season. Wow! And and they yep. did it with like with like four five guys and like three writers. Like it's kind of amazing. Canadian worth ethic. Go Leafs! <laughs> but uh, it, it's. This is all fantastic. If you haven't seen Kids in the Hall, I really, really would attest that it holds up pretty well. If you just want something silly, and if you only saw it on Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this because I didn't see a lot of it on HBO. Comedy Central, because this was made for the CBC, and there's a great sketch about that called Screw You Taxpayer. Please look that up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Diane is laughing. She knows what I mean. Uh, yep. I want to quote Bruce McCullough so bad from that sketch, but I can't. Um, that... One sketch would, was taken out. At least one sketch was removed from Comedy Central every episode. And because the CBC has no language restrictions, mm. the show is just kind of all over. There, there's nudity and cursing you have never heard on the show that is totally there. I believe Mill Creek just put out a fantastic box set mm-hmm. with all the episodes, including the miniseries that didn't get shown. It got shown in America once, Death Comes to Town. Like Kids mm-hmm. in the Hall basically yeah. made a 10-episode movie 
uh, that I still haven't seen. But uh, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it didn't come to Comedy Central. Came to IFC back in the day, like years ago, before anybody knew where that channel was. Mm-hmm. It's all in one collection. There's tons of sketches you haven't seen. I can't recommend that box set enough. It's Kids in the Hall is so good to rediscover. Oh yeah, and you know one other thing that they've done that we we haven't really mentioned is like the more I thought about it, the more I realized, hey, this is important. The amount of gay content, yes. on that show. Yes, Scott Thompson made me. I, I have to imagine made me a more accepting person to the LGBT community just because yeah. of like he, he was the first out gay person I ever saw. Period. Wow. Like maybe someone speaking in a school. Yeah. But not as like. But let alone Buddy Cole, like Scott was just ton. <laughs> there's tons of there's sketches I can't even say the title of mm-hmm. that Scott Thompson yeah. put in the households of 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 America in 1989, mm-hmm. like when a really bad time for that scene. And it made it, I don't know. I cannot say enough yeah. great things about and that just, man. And it, it wasn't just Scott Thompson though. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the other characters would end yeah. up doing sort of gay stuff, or when they're dressed as a woman, they start making out, or they're about to make out, or just treating it all as funny mm-hmm. instead of like as disgusting i yeah. think makes a big difference and yeah running her is an amazing sketch yes uh when again when i saw them live they went straight from the fur, the canadian fur trappers who like to trap uh, businessmen <laughs> and they yeah. went straight into running f-word <laughs> um, in the pilot i was just looking like there's like a, just a four second sketch a bunch of guys in suits going through a dumpster Hey, you millionaires, get out of that garbage. <laughs> sketch is over. <laughs> sketch is over. So the, the yeah. hunting. Just, yeah, Buddy Cole. And it was not just that Buddy Cole is funny, but that would get really absurd. Like, I think the best Buddy Cole one is him talking about how upset he is that dinosaurs are infiltrating the gay scene. <laughs> <laughs> and how the T-Rexes are mincing across the dance floor with their little hands. Yeah, yeah. there's, there's a, a okay. real. Okay, sure. <laughs> there's a real I don't know what would you call it like not Shakespearean but like a playwright quality to some of those sketches that mm-hmm. are, that just yeah just uh, they're not they're not showing you everything but they're talking about some of the most absurd shit yeah uh, fuck me I wish I could talk about this forever what a long segment this is just like a shameful blind spot for me as yeah. someone who considers oh. themselves just if you had Comedy, Comedy Central, like it was, it was a hard. Yeah, it was just on. I talk about Comedy Central in the '90s the way people mm-hmm. talk about like CBGBs. Like mm-hmm. it was the world to me. I was taping <laughs> right. shit that was airing four times a day anyway. It made no sense, but I, I, I love this show. And to be fair, I was three on this date in 1989, <laughs> so I think uh, a lot of it would have been over my head. I mean, I didn't discover it until it hit Comedy Central yeah. because, like, it has a really confusing broadcast history in America because mm-hmm. it went to CBS. Yeah, it, it was like came and then it went then it came and it went this debuted uh, on my 12th birthday oh and i first saw it uh exactly a year later when i was visiting uh relatives in canada my brother and i were up watching cbc and uh i even tell you which episode it was because it was the one with lopez 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 <laughs> and we kept we quoted it like the rest of the trip and probably drove everyone insane <laughs> oh god damn so it. i felt like cool because like i knew about this before so many other people did because yeah it was like late night on hbo and like no one my age saw it yet oh and i, I actually I'm, i should say when i saw it i didn't love it. it like i didn't love it immediately it wasn't until well, first it was much just sort later. of like what the hell yeah it's important to know like, oh this is great it, 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 no, I think that I think that's good to note that when you first come in contact with something, you don't like it, or you're like, Ew, well, Mister Mister Show had me this. with like like the language and like, holy shit, this yeah. is really an HBO sketch. I've never heard anything like this. Kids didn't really have that. Uh-huh. It was just a different kind of sketch comedy. Mm-hmm. It's Monty Python with a better camera. 
and unless <laughs> unless needlessly silly stuff. I'm not the I don't I I don't hate yeah. Python, but it, I don't ever go watch those shows. I like their movies. I feel like this might be a good match for me because mm-hmm. I am, as I've said before, not a Python person, not a Mon- Monty okay. Python person. I love snakes, just not a Monty <laughs> Python person. <laughs> DMX the snake. Um, uh, but yeah, this might be a good fit for me. Yeah, I think I think it is, yeah, and again, it's it's why sketch comedy is my favorite. My ADHD addled brain. Yeah. If you, if something's not working for you, like don't worry, there'll be a gay sketch or a how to treat your slave sketch. Let's say like BDSM. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm, I'm back not, on not board. Not the unfunny kind. Back on uh, board. It'll, it'll change every couple of seconds. I really like the idea of like what you said, like mm-hmm. a very short sketch. Yeah. That is very fun to I mean, me. Th- some of their characters, like the prostitutes, the cops, like yeah. they don't appear from, they appear for less than a minute throughout the series. Well, yeah. and sometimes my criticisms with like, SNL is that it takes very uh, sometimes a very long time for them to get to the funny thing and mm. sometimes there can be a lot of setup or a lot of just like room noise you know as they're like trying <laughs> they're grinding their gears but when you have like no this thing's just no, it's it, a funny thing we our brain like pooped out that only takes four seconds I'm into that there's some of my favorite sketches and I think Diane and I were talking about this because Seth MacFarlane sort of blew my mind by Referring his inspiration to Family Guy cutaway sequences were his love for Far Side cartoons. Yep. And yeah. and kids, we were talking I about that, right, up, Diana? Yeah, we know we yeah. talked about it on the show. Yeah, and 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 I grew kid, up on Far Side kid, cartoons. So many sketches and kids in the hall. Like that's just two sentences. It's just a funny and, idea. <laughs> but this is the location shot. My the cops, just the Canadian cops. A sketch: <laughs> two cops sitting there, and there's Scott Thompson as a criminal, and just up in one of the cops' face. Oi, going, you fucking pig, you pussy, you bitch, bacon, bacon, bacon. <laughs> then the criminal walks away. Why didn't you do anything, man? He's like, I thought you knew him. And then he runs after the guy. <laughs> and like, uh, like, perfect. It's it's the perfect far side sketch. It's it's like <laughs> it's. Kids. Oh man, <laughs> that's perfect. That it's, is perfect to me. Oh, I love I'm, that. I'm yep. giddy with laughter. What and... is wrong with me? I need to. Okay, I need <sighs> to get into that. Um, and then, okay, we have to move on. This is the lo- our longest first segment ever. Mm. Oh God, yeah. Say goodbye to the Kavanaugh's. Oh, yeah. uh, that is over oh, as no. of this week. I don't even remember what that was. Uh, it's two seasons. Uh, Bernard Nighttime Hughes. Soap. What? I'm sorry. Yeah. It was a nighttime soap. Yeah, Bernard Hughes yeah. and uh, Christine Ebersol is an Irish Catholic family. One of the sons oh, is a priest. I'm thinking of the Colbys. No, yes, no. This is actually a situation comedy. Um, ah. Yeah, only on for two seasons. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. Uh, and I, I will put a link um, on our page this time for um, UHF commentary and the Kids in the Hall box set because it's like super cheap and mm-hmm. it's like everything they've done that isn't brain candy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's mm. it's really cool. Um, and but to close up the segment, we always talk about the new releases in music, and this is pretty nuts. New releases this week, and we're still not done. <sighs> Unfinished business by EPMD, uh, trash by Alice Cooper, and uh, Beastie Boys, Paul's Boutique, which is mm, one of uh, Rolling Stones' yes. top fifty albums list. I should give it. A, my dad gave it to me on vinyl for for Christmas. Oh, and, and, uh, I love your dad. He's so great. Yeah, but I, like, I'm not a Beastie Boys fan. <laughs> like, I don't. Still, that's a pretty good guess for your. Except if your friend owns the record store and knows my dad and means he chose this for me, and I went up to Sherrod and like, why do you think I like this? Why would you tell my dad? I mean, aren't you legally allowed to, or, or legally supposed to like Beastie Boys if you are a young yeah. man of your age? I always said I like. And actual, I use the your word young. I like Beastie. actual rap and hip hop. I don't like the white version that plays on rock stations. I agree. Oh. And, like, 
No, I think I you're mistaken concur. here because this is this is the Beastie Boys pivot. I know, I know. Where like they're still they're still you know sort of like bratty and in your face, but it's like you can hear the musical talent coming out and like the layers of samples are so cool, and it's like oh I see where they're going with this. So it's like ten years later and you see Intergalactic, you're like yes, this all makes sense now. Right. Uh, oh, Paul's critique is so good. Yeah, I, I, that was my position then. I have totally reversed the Beastie Boys. But like, oh, okay. But into, cool. yeah, yeah, I, I do not, I do not hate the my, Beastie Boys. I hated the, the way they were album. they were positioned in pop culture. Yeah. I thought that was pretty unfair. Ah, uh, but so, but anyway, let's close out 1989 uh, with Toy Soldiers by Martika, which is not a song yep. I can think of automatically. Oh, uh, yo, you'll I love it when that happens. You'll remember it. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll maybe I'll have something to say about that. We get back from our break, but who knows? It'll be 1999, and maybe I can't talk about it. Stay right there. There's still so much more fun things to talk about. It is summer, so what better time to make health and wellness a priority again? Are you looking for a way to maintain stress, sleep better, or have more energy? Well, Care Of may have what you need, and 302010 listeners can get 25% off their first Care Of order by going to TakeCareOf.com and entering code T3 at checkout. Care of knows that vitamins, supplements, proteins are a great and simple way towards a healthier lifestyle. The trouble is with that, it's hard to know what you need to take, but that's why Care of specializes in personalizing your experience and making it as easy as possible to find out specifically what you need to make you the healthiest. And Care of also wants to make sure that what you're putting in your body comes from the best sources backed by honest guidance and transparency, and all of that is available on their website. Oh, and Care of's website. All of this can seem wildly intimidating when you walk into like a vitamin store, but that's where Care of's online experience makes everything super easy. First of all, they make finding what you need very simple and fun with an online quiz that takes about five minutes. It asks you about your diet, health goals, lifestyle choices, and boom, you got your personal, scientifically backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. So if you got a little time this summer, why not try Care Of? And if you want to try Care Of, you should try it for 25% off. And 302010 listeners can do just that by going to TakeCareOf.com and entering code T3 at checkout. Once again, for 25% off your first Care Of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter T3 at checkout. It's me again, 302010ers. Hi. Did you know that 66% of men start losing their hair by the age of 35? But you can do what I did. Once you notice your hair is thinning, it can be too late. Be heroic. Be proactive. Why not try, I don't know, the roadhouse of hair loss? Yes, I'm talking about 4hims.com, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, and sexual wellness for men. Because thanks to science, baldness can be optional. And right now, 302010 listeners can get started with hymns for just five bucks by going to 4hims.com slash 30. That's the word 30. And I must say, these are not snake oil pills. They are not magical beans you'd find at a carnival. That's a reference to something we probably talked about. These are real prescriptions backed by science. Generic equivalents. But even better, there's no need to go to the doctor's office. There's no need to use your insurance. You can avoid awkward in-person doctor visits and avoid long pharmacy lines. Because 4 connects you to real doctors online, which could save you hours in addition to money. Everything's confidential and discreet. You just answer a couple questions, a doctor will review it, and if they determine it's right for you, they will prescribe your medication right there and get it directly to your door. Ha ha! 
So order now. 302010 listeners can get started with the Hymns Complete Hair Kit for just 5 bucks right now, today, while supplies last, and pending doctor approval. See the website for full details and safety information. And remember, this could cost you hundreds if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy somewhere else. So once again, go to 4 slash 30. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash the word 30. Once again, that's 4 slash 30. Nothing tight, oh brother. Silly me, why haven't I found another? A baller. When times get hard, need someone to help me out. Instead of a scrub like you who don't know what a man's about. Coming in with that famous football fight song for that little team in Buffalo, Bills, 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 <laughs> by Destiny's Child. Uh, perfect dad joke. It's number one this week. This Bills, album Bills, Bills. Is Chef's Kiss. And I was perfect. looking at the video. There's still four members of Destiny's Child at this point. They're, they're yes. whole. They're whole yes. unit. Mm-hmm. With this album, yes. Okay. What's yep. the, do you remember the album? Uh, the writings on the wall. The writings on the wall. The writings on the oh, wall. The writings. They do this fun thing in the album where it's like the Ten Commandments or whatever, and it's like in the like they have interludes. Don't where, cheat on me. No, it's like Godfather <laughs> stuff. So oh. it's like we brought together the five families, but oh, it's like no. one of the Destiny's children that are like saying it in this voice, and like every. Like, before every song, there's, like, a little thing that's, like, thou shalt not play me like that. And oh. then they go to the song. <laughs> Please tell me SoundCloud rappers are still it's doing sketches so before their song. Oh, man. Uh, but Bills, Bills, Bills. That's number one by Destiny Child this week. New releases, 1999, July 19th to the 25th. We have new releases by Arch Enemy with Burning Bridges, as well as Jewels by Sophia by Robin Hitchcock. Uh, there's a poison going on by, hey, speak of the devil, public enemy. Uh, Timber by Sophie B. Hawkins and Tonight Stars Revolt by Power Man 5000. That was none of those were the most important song for me that week. Um, because the song that was ruling my world, what was the name of this band? It was like the weirdest men on Mars. I forget. This, this is like the Napster era, so no one's crediting artists correctly. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Every single reggae song is Bob Marley. Yes. Uh, System of a Down did this song about Zelda. No, they didn't. Uh, but I, I, the, all your bass are belong to us. A little joke about Zero Wing, a mistranslation in the Japanese Genesis game. What you uh, say? What you say? How, may, how are you, gentlemen? Make your time. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Someone set up us the bomb. Someone set us up the bomb. Uh, I have this freaking memorized. Yeah. I never played this game. I don't know what yeah, the hell me, game me is. Me neither. Zero Wing. The game is Zero Wing, which I think is coming to the mini Genesis. I think solely because of its infamy because of all your bass. Um, we all, I know that guy's name is Katz, like Dr. Right. Katz. Okay. Uh, K-A-T-Z. Uh, from, just from that fucking meme. It was, to me, it, it feels, I know it's not the first meme, but it was like, this was everywhere for a really long time. Yeah. Uh, the all your base thing. And you were, you may have shared it with your friend on the first version of, uh, MSN Messenger, <laughs> which was released on the 23rd of July, 20 years ago yeah. this week. Uh, and on the 25th, Lance Armstrong wins his first Tour de France. I'm through, I'm sure, totally legitimately. Of course. Um, and nothing wrong ever went for him. So ever. Has he, true. did he, he, had, he admitted to taking steroids? Yes. 
Blood doping. Blood doping. Wasn't blood doping part of it? Yeah. Maybe human growth hormone? I don't yeah. know, but I know the, the fantastic HBO mockumentary, Tour de Pharmacy, so where you good. can see John Cena tearing a guy's pants off to see his penis. <laughs> I, I recommend it for that reason alone. But the follow-up to Seven Days in Hell, th- these are two great HBO one-hour mini documentaries that are fantastic, mm-hmm. and I hope Andy Samberg and whoever that guy is makes more. Mini mockumentaries. But, but Lance Armstrong is all over this shit joking about his own steroids, mm-hmm. as if... The whole world knows. So I, I like. I don't know if he ever yeah, came that clean. Dude sucks. Does he? Yeah, I can't stand. And Mr. Also, Cheryl Crow. I can't stand Cheryl Crow mm. for many reasons, but also because of her proximity to him. You don't like her slamming country clubs. Uh, this is. <laughs> she's. I find her very tiresome. All right. All right. Um, then you yeah, would have. I. I never gave a shit about cycling. I never. Never gave a shit about Lance Armstrong. But his cameo in Dodgeball is pretty fucking great. Really? Got yeah. Me, you got me thinking about where's, dodgeball again because of Rip Torn, man. Come Rip on. Torn. Oh. I know. Yeah, where he shows up. It is dodgeball I'm thinking of, right? Pretty know. sure it is. Probably. But yeah. You guys like, oh, yeah, you had a falling out with your friend. That's too bad. You know, after I got back from testicular cancer that had spread to my brain and won the uh, the French uh, <laughs> Tour de France, I was feeling sad, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. You compare those two. It's pretty freaking stupid. Yeah. Oh, man. I made a dumb joke on a recent podcast about... Uh, when I saw The Crow, I saw The Crow uh, on a brief interlude from watching Woodstock 94 on pay-per-view. That is the only pay-per-view uh-huh. thing my parents ever got me. I begged my dad mm-hmm. and we got Woodstock, which was like three days of 24 hours of music. Taped the whole thing, still have the tapes, have never watched them. And, was, and it was a very pleasant experience. There is not, uh, even a good soundtrack. Woodstock 99 happens uh, this week and it is not oh. not so much the same. And it... Yeah. Never yep. happens again. I think they tried to make it happen um, recently. They just tried to do one because it's the 50th anniversary coming mm. up in a week or two, I believe. Um, and they had a great lineup, and they're like, "Yeah, no." And uh, yeah, after Woodstock '99, we should never go. We should never subject upstate New York to this sort of thing ever again, <laughs> because uh, this was a disaster from the moment it started. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, first of all, tickets were expensive. And no outside food or drink allowed there. It was also not at Yasger's farm. It was like 150 miles away on an old Air Force base, I think, slash Superfund site. Cool. So, <laughs> um, but then you can set your watch by. Yeah. And then the stages were really far apart. It was like two miles from one big stage to the other Holy big shit. stage. Wow. It was 100 degrees out. Water was $4. Food, like a burrito was like 10 bucks in 99 money, not in San Francisco 2019 money. And it fell the fuck apart. Now, the lineup was good. <laughs> I'm not going to say the lineup was, was bad, but basically MTV put this together and they would show parts of it during the day or you could watch the entire thing on pay-per-view for three days. Mm-hmm. And I, I, um, oh, I just remember people blaming the music, especially because like when Limp Biscuit launched into break stuff, all hell yeah, broke loose. That's kind of where it kicks off, where the troubles... Where, where, where things actually start getting violent. Up until then, there have been problems with, you know, people don't have any money and you know, the ATMs are long and, and people waiting for, you know, an hour to get to the drinking fountain. And so finally someone just broke the pipe and started spraying water on everyone. So now we got a mud pit just like 69, dude. In 94, because, hey, uh, as I, can, I, I was there to watch it on TV. So I remember mm-hmm. I blame MTV for part of this because... I blame MTV for almost all <laughs> 1994, there wasn't, like... I don't, I don't even know if we were paying attention that much, but there wasn't any reports of like rioting or anything like that. But what there was 
was during Green Day's performance, most notably Welcome to Paradise, everyone started throwing chunks of mud and grass onto the stage. And it is kind of like yeah. an insane moment. MTV clipped that and ran that as a video for the yes. song Welcome to Paradise for years. Right. Therefore, I think kind of setting the expectation that it, this Woodstock, everybody throw mud because that's the video we'll show you for the next year mm-hmm. if you guys right. do that. And uh, uh, What people were throwing were water bottles, sometimes filled with pee. Um, oh, and I guess Kid Rock was actually encouraging that, like as a protest to like what people were putting up against, putting up with. Mm. But uh, yeah, I think it's day two when Limp Biscuit comes on. Then start stuff starts getting worse. Uh, there are reported sexual assaults in the mosh pit, um, and several outside of the mosh pit. And then when they're done, and then Red Hot Chili Peppers come on, um, they apparently promised they promised Jimi Hendrix's niece, I think, that they were going to play Fire. <laughs> and, um, right. Didn't realize that oh, this uh, this group had been handing out candles so they could have like a memorial candle lit thing. And people just start lighting shit on fire immediately. Like, you've given everyone a great way to light things on fire. I forgot about that. Wow. We cannot have anything uh, nice. Mm-hmm. No. So, a lot of stuff. I mean, the, literally, the, the sound towers with the speakers on them, they're going up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and ATMs are broken into. And every booth is looted. And uh, amazingly, no one died. One one guy did die during Woodstock 99. Mm-hmm. Um but it seems like it was unrelated health problems and he might have done some drugs. But yeah, like I said, um, multiple reports of sexual assaults, including in a mosh pit, which is like that just that breaks my heart. Yeah. In uh, so many ways like that, or that like that it's in the mosh pit hurts me even more. I don't know. Somehow. I, this is back when I was actually <laughs> going to festivals like these. And I, I hate I hate to say this. I just like never like how would a woman come to one of these. Like there was a ton uh, of gross behavior at all these uh-huh. outdoor festivals. I mean, you could not. I think you'd have to pay me a significant amount of money for me <laughs> well, to go to a music festival, especially now. A, I don't like music. <laughs> B, I don't, like, I don't like outside. Don't like outside. <laughs> and C, I don't like large groups of people. <laughs> I'm not there now. It's it's just hard to even remember when I was there. Like, do I? I don't really need to drive all this way to see Blues Traveler twice. Uh, (laughs) yeah Yeah, nobody needs to yeah um uh, yeah no i like music festivals but i like being out away from everybody a -hmm. little bit where i can actually like enjoy the music and i can't see much but i'm enjoying the music off by myself i don't like to be in a big crowd times i have been in the mosh pit have been in small clubs and i've learned to be the edge of the mosh pit is the best place Mm -hmm. because you get to just shove people back Mm -hmm. but they don't shove you i don't get in the mosh pit i'm I, that's actually a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so Limp Bizkit took a lot of heat saying, oh, this is all their fault. And they encouraged some bad behavior, mm-hmm. but you can't call it their fault. The well, I, I just was, hated the idea. Like there The was, whole thing was badly planned, and it, it was a disaster waiting to happen. It when was, you it gouge was, everybody, and it's hot, and there's not enough water, and there's not enough food, and there's not enough toilets. Yeah, it was it was written about it wasn't written about in the sense that like Limp Biscuit told people because they literally told people to do it from the stage. Mm -hmm. It was written about as in like, no, it's this type of music Mm -hmm. that inspires behavior such as Mm -hmm. like, get the fuck out of here, man. Like, especially because like if you've heard some of that music from Woodstock, these like war protest songs for fuck's sake. Right. Like that could have incited violence, too. And it had nothing to do with that. And you're not not putting the fault on the the machine was up. Uh, right. on the same stage earlier and so is Dave Matthews band which one of those <laughs> really throw shit at me right now <laughs> so there was an NWA reunion and no one got to pay attention to it right it, it, yeah it was it was an 
nature of poor planning. The mistakes of millionaires created the shittiness of Woodstock 99. Mm. But I, I just, I don't want to compare Woodstock 94 to the original, but like it was a cool feeling. Yeah. It went off without a hitch and like it, it had some cool moments from it. It felt mm-hmm. like a neat moment in time. Like 25 years later, you can recapture this thing that boomers can't stop talking about ever. Uh, but mm-hmm. but uh, and to do it five years later and then have it shit the bed, like, Really, in my mind, hurt the name. Mm-hmm. Thank God, yeah. the Snoopy's bird friend has I, I disconnected entirely. Sure, thank goodness. For uh, that. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it feels like it's it's like the ultimate pissing on the hippie grave um, <laughs> of like true. You know, yeah. the first Woodstock's five hundred thousand people come together, peace, love, and harmony, and like you know they tear down the fences, and it just becomes this big, wonderful communal thing. And then 25 years later, they try to recapture it. And they, they, you know, they don't do it that way because that's actually not safe. And it's amazing. A lot of people, a lot more people didn't die. But, uh, you know, they, they sort of like the music of now. And it's still, you know, it's something we can carry on. And then five years later, they saw that made money. That mm-hmm. made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Let's make this about money. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's sad that stuff like Insane Clown Posse and... Uh, Limp Bizkit and Metallica kind of got lumped in as like, it's because the music's changed and it's ruined the kids and it's not it's about aggressive. peace and love, it's about hurting stuff. And it's like, no, no, it's because these people were pushed to the edge. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, the, yeah. the closest it came, like, I love going to Warp Tour. That was generally a much mm-hmm. smaller venue. And yeah. uh, and that, that reminds me, that was the, the only music festival I was going to go to, no effects through one, uh, the Punk and Drublik Festival. And it's just mm-hmm. like... Yeah chairs and craft beer and it was like so i'm oh. the boomer now and like oh yes. that sounds perfect yeah oh, oh uh, air conditioned tents i love it i love it uh but uh warp tour one year they had it in a parking lot in atlanta and mm-hmm. the sponsor was yoohoo oh. so like that when, is a barf festival when it was easier to get yoohoo than water the Fucking bathrooms were way overcrowded because you're basically drinking raw diarrhea in, <laughs> instead of water, which is what you really need in 100 degree weather in Atlanta parking Yoo-hoo. lot. Yoohoo. Oh. It, I have never drinking, drank Yoohoo again because you had to basically, the, the lines to get free Yoohoo was shorter than the water. Oh so, my. like, mm. everybody had a, a little bit of the green apple splatters. Uh, at that at that event, so it was Ugh. disgusting. Like this is this is close, and like I was the most unhappy I've seen people uh, at one of these festivals. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, 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 movies of nineteen ninety nine. Um, let's blow through these real fast. My life so far: Colin Firth, Rosemary Harris, Irene Jacob, and Malcolm McDowell. Uh, uh, yeah, some some more Chris Kryptonite. It's uh, about. <laughs> A rich family in rural Britain and changing times and mores. And I think part of it's sort of like a coming of age sort of thing and like finding the lady sexy. And Chris yeah, Kryptonite was. Colin Frith loiters around a, a manor house. That's fine. Whatever. Chris Kryptonite was so intense. I remember when I saw Bridget Jones' diary and like. Why are they treating this actor like I've never I've, anyone's ever heard of him? And it was Colin Firth, and I had literally never oh. seen him before because he was only in shit like this that I would never oh, watch. Yeah, well, Bridget yeah. Jones' diary is also super weird because mm. it's a whole thing with like Renee Zellweger, perfect Englishman. Well, Colin Firth plays Darcy in the BBC Pride and Pre- Pride and Prejudice, and in the book, right. she's constantly referring to. Colin Firth in the book and then when you get to the movie he's cast in the movie as her love interest it's it's super weird sorry that's a side note that's very strange about Colin Firth man that was a hella girl sidebar that was great yeah I got you covered (laughs) that was great Uh, Trick what's it's one of those like my life so far it's got you know good reviews if I saw it late at night on PBS I'm sure I would watch it and love it yeah we got too much to talk about gotta move on 
Trick. What's Trick? Um, Trick is about a young gay dude in the city who's just looking for love and trying to hook up with someone, but there's like wacky stuff going on with like his friend Crazy Tori Spelling, who thinks she's an actress and is like always getting in his way, and people's straight roommates are super annoying, and yeah, it's cute. If I was a gay guy, I would be friends with Tori Spelling. She can afford oh, absolutely. all the drugs. Sure. And you know she's got yeah. all the tea <laughs> to spill. <laughs> and uh, and finally, into movies, yeah. people, most people have actually listened to Saw. Yeah, but it's fun that this is, uh, we actually have like a gay camp double feature going on inadvertently. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because oh. uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous, I think, is much more popular <laughs> with drag queens than it is I, with I, the general public. I remember a few critics really championed this, and most oh. of them savaged it. And yeah. it's insane to me. This it, movie is almost perfect. And it became a slow burn of oh. like, no, no, this uh, this is this is like a lady cult classic as far as oh. my recollection is concerned. It is yeah. Phenomenal. It's a lady a lady cult classic. I admit yeah. I had never seen it, so I just watched it. Mm-hmm. And I uh, I wanted to love it and I came really close a couple times, but mm. it didn't quite hold together for me. But uh, let's, uh, the trailer will explain what it's about. Every year in the small town of Mount Rose, Minnesota. A special competition takes place. I know what some of your big city no bra wearing hairy legged women livers might say. They might say that a pageant is old fashioned and demeaning to the girls. No, I think you boys are gonna find something a little bit different here in Montrose. Ouch! <laughs> but for two ambitious girls. I believe this pageant teaches you what's really important in life. I dream of getting out of Mount Rolls. I mean, guys get out of Mount Rolls all the time for hockey scholarships. Or prison. And two jealous mothers. My daughter is the most talented contestant that Mount Rose has ever had. It's not just about beauty. Go Mucky! Woo! I'm sucked in, baby. Oh. This is a mockumentary? Yes. Huh. Yeah. This movie has everything. This movie has everything. Passes the best style <laughs> test. Has Amy Adams in my favorite role of hers. That she looks super yeah. young. Yeah. It's her her debut. She's so young. Full of actresses who I feel like don't get their due. Allison Janney. Kirstie Alley. Yep. Ellen Barkin. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Nora Dunn. Fantastic. And basically almost a bit part. Allison mm-hmm. Janney. Smoking cigarettes the entire time. It's beautiful. By Tanya fans listen up. She steals so much of this movie. Oh, I wish my mom. doesn't even need to be there. I wish my mom's <laughs> best friend it. were Allison Janney because, <laughs> oh, this movie, I adore this movie it's so great like it's it's so like it it, we talked about election earlier and we and i kind of hinted like we have another really good dark comedy coming up this is a great summer for that and this one to me i actually like better than election and i was trying to figure out why and i think it's because it's just so dark and so like funny and pure and is not tainted by any bullshit dude egos this is, this is not a movie about men in any way. Is there a recognizable male actor in, in it? That, um, uh, yeah. Well, that's one one problem is Will Sasso is in it, and hey. they call him the R word repeatedly. I mean, that I, does not age well. I love for Will sure. Sasso. <laughs> that does not age but, well. And it's so sad because like, he's really funny, and I thought that the joke was that he's stupid, and also he's huffing uh, paint half right. the time. Mm-hmm. But no, they keep calling him the R word, and that, that hurt. It doesn't age well, just, for sure. It was distracting. Though. I kind of wish they just played him as just a dumb guy. That's who okay. You have paint, me a sasso. But, yeah. 
But it's also got um, Sam McMurray, who's like character actor yeah. you would recognize a ton. Yeah, guy should have been on the Simpsons. Adam somehow. West is in it at the oh, very beginning. Matt Malloy West. is in it. Mm. It's. I don't know. I've always meant to see it. I, I just I totally forgot it was coming up. Yeah, it's yeah. It's got some really cute parts. One thing that broke my heart, though, is Brittany Murphy is in it. Yes. Oh, yeah. And she's basically playing live-action Luann from oh. King of the Hill. And okay. it made me miss her so much. <laughs> like, you can hear her voice is doing... It's basically she's doing the voice. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I yeah. miss you so much, Brittany Murphy. It's so not fair. She's so cute and good in it. Like, all the acting, I think, is really phenomenal. It's like some of our yep. best female actors, you know, really doing their best work and even though it is kind of a broad comedy in a way that there are uh, you're seeing uh, <laughs> didn't even try um you're seeing a lot of archetypes you know that they definitely play to a lot of the like dialogue and some of the set pieces and everything are actually a little more subtle than that um and and so it just it appeals to me on every level. And also there's a lot of great stuff in there with like female friendships and like, you know, it's, it's, it's a pageant. So there's like definitely competition going on, but none of the girls, except for Denise Richards, who is like, you know, thought to be the shoe in for the, uh, mm-hmm. the pageant queen. She's the only one that's like a really a bitch. Everyone else is just mm-hmm. kind of friends mm-hmm. and they're all kind of trying to help each other out. And they're all just kind of, you know, having fun together. It's, mm-hmm. I can't movie. say enough good things about this. Movie. I, I just saw it was yeah, directed it by a- it's directed by Michael Patrick Jan, mm-hmm. um, who is mm-hmm. the silent member of the state. He's oh, he was the yeah. he's the the member of the state you see in the the intro crawl that never talks because he's always behind the camera. Mm-hmm. So he's the guy who kind of um, made the state what it was. I have yeah, to say it's it's the perfect role for Denise Richards. Oh, absolutely! Starship Troopers. It. <laughs> no, even better even better because she's got to have like the kind of crazy vapid smile, but you also hate her guts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she's just such a she's just such a mean little bitch. She's so mean, and but she's being raised by another mean girl who is played by Kirstie Alley, who is so great. Like, I'm sorry, we don't talk about Kirstie Alley enough. I kind of <laughs> wish that she hadn't sort of dropped out. I don't know what's going on with her. I assume Scientology. I, I say, I'm glad we're doing um, this show. She does a TV movie around this time that I can't remember the name of that has the funniest promo ooh. and her screaming a lot. And I'm like, I can't find this. Until okay. we do the show. We'll find it. We're going to find it. I'm Don't so worry. excited. I'm on all the TV movies. I'm onto it. But yeah, I just, I this is a high, high recommend for mm. me. Truly. Yeah, it's like a light recommend for me. It's like, I, I it's like, there's like one thing missing somehow that would make it perfect. I feel like part of it is because, yeah, it's a small town beauty pageant and then competitors keep dying. Yeah. And and none of, <laughs> what? I feel like none of uh-huh. the, none of the deaths are ever treated with any weight of like, oh no, I could be next, or oh, this is so horrible, that guy died, or oh no, her thresher blew up. No, everyone's just sort of like, huh, dead body. Yeah, like, that don't beat I all. feel like it needs a little bit more weight that would sort of like, I don't know, push it over the top for me. But there's, yeah, all the performances are a lot of fun. And Allison Janney has gone on record saying that people ask her about this more than the West Wing. Wow, I love that. <laughs> that's so awesome I have to say this movie did when I first saw it when I was in middle school it turned me off from Ellen Barkin for a while because so in the movie <laughs> she her trailer uh, gets 
exploded and she gets burned really badly but it's mainly just her arm and a beer can got fused to her hand so throughout the entire movie she has this like disgusting burned like claw hand with a beer can like fused to it and it grossed me out so much like in middle school that it kind of turned me off of her for a long time (laughs) but yeah i don't know i love it it's it, I, I like that they don't treat the deaths very seriously because mm-hmm. they are so strange. Like, one girl's just riding on her tra- tractor and it blows up. And they're like, well, <laughs> she did always love a good smoke after a ride on the tractor. And then, you know, another girl's dancing and a, a Klieg light falls on her head. Oh, I saw it in the trailer. Yeah, not a Klieg yeah. light, but just a, a light falls on her head. You don't get fancy. Sorry. I'm not going to recognize lights. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. I didn't need anyone to well actually me on on what stage lights are called. Yeah, yeah. there's going to be enough of that no matter what we do. You're going to create it with over, over lights. Uh, yeah, man. I just I miss Kirstie Alley. No, I, I, I just yeah. always wanted to. Yeah, I've always meant to make a note to see this, and I can't believe I didn't do it when it's. My I job. think you would love it. Honestly, uh, I'll, I, I think you would like it too. Yeah, and and Kirsten Dunst is just really freaking adorable. She's great. Her acting She's is really really, really good. Goodness. I like it. I do have to note. Was not her doing the tap dancing. You can tell very, very easily that it was definitely not her tap. Stunt stems. It's just legs <laughs> and her face and legs and her face. That's <laughs> wonderful. Like a Robert Klein joke yeah. come to life in the cinema. <laughs> uh, and oh, so glad we get to talk uh, about this at a time when we talk about let's a, talk about some crap. Some crap when uh, we live in a world where there are a lot of complaints over Disney mining its nostalgia and making mm-hmm. live action version of cartoons. It used to have enough mm. dignity to stay away from its own cartoons, but I love like before Disney started acquiring everything under the sun, they went on this streak of adapting cartoons it did not own Mm-mm. into live action features such as this one starring Dabney Coleman, Michelle Trachenberg, Rupert Everett, Dr. Claw, <laughs> and Matthew Broderick. This makes me embarrassed. Inspector Gadget. <laughs> After years of scientific research, the United States government is about to turn one ordinary human being French. French. into the weapon of the future. I need more hose! 60 watt light bulb! Careful, careful! He's going into VTech! We're losing him clear! Now, the world will finally meet the ultimate crime fighting tool Inspector Gadget. They will train him. Concentrate. Your mind and your body will become one. Okay. This is just so This looks dreadful. <laughs> he, he grabbed him by the junk and then his eyes popped out. Just just looking at the, at the title of this, like I'll never not think of Matthew Broderick as Ferris Bueller, the coolest guy in the world, and there is nothing less cool than him being in the, the Inspector Gadget movie. The image of him with a shocked face holding the propeller on his hat. Like, dude, dude, you don't got enough money. Why you got to do this? He, he's probably better right. than the French Stewart's straight-to-video sequel, which probably. also happened. Uh, well, that's some high praise. Yeah. this I can't believe this even fucking happened. Just just because, like, no. this, is, uh, this is movies desperate to get me in the theaters. Based on cartoons with a growing internet, I now know we're never good. <laughs> uh. I, I watched Inspector Gadget <laughs> yeah. every day, loved it, and, like, 
it's one of the better cartoons out there, but it's it's just bizarre. Disney, what do you think about a Disney in the 1990s? Cartoons. Mm-hmm. You don't have your own character you can turn into a movie? I'm like, no, I'm not going to do anything that stupid. We'll do it with a fucking French Deke cartoon. Ah, Sorry, Don Adams, that, wowzers. That explains why I watched Inspector Gadget on Nickelodeon. Because mm-hmm. it was a mm-hmm. French cartoon. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. I get it. I'm learning things from the show, Deke you guys. Deke is a French cartoon. Like, I actually wrote a dumb article a long time ago, like 10 things you didn't know about Inspector Gadget. And the funniest thing is, is that he is RoboCop. He is an Interpol agent, canonically, who was murdered <laughs> and then reformed <laughs> as Inspector Gadget. Sure. And uh, forced to live beyond his time. Um, but he, and he also has a, he's a single father. I wake up oh. with the theme song in my head probably two or three times a year. It's one. It was. It was oh, like originally coming from the depths somehow. I don't love this. It was originally based on Inspector Clouseau so much, including the image that he sued and won. So if you look, Google Inspector yeah. Gadget pilot, they removed his mustache because <gasps> so, he looked ah, that much like Inspector Clouseau. Wow, interesting. Who already had a cartoon for fuck's sake? But uh, yeah, Don Adams rules. I don't want to talk about this movie at all. I think. <laughs> I think that's what's no. happening here. Um, no, fuck this movie. I mean, th- this movie and the next one that's number one at the box office are both terrible, but I feel like Inspector Gadget, all right, there's someone out there, they watch this when they were six and they love it, yeah, the, and the I just same. advise them, go back and watch it with fresh eyes and you'll feel embarrassed. And then the next one has sort of been overwritten by history, and I am so okay with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Number one at the box office is uh, another adaptation of The Haunting of Hill House, and this one eats shit. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Neeson, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Owen Wilson, and Lily Taylor in The Haunting. Welcome to Hill House, everyone. For a hundred years. What's the deal with the Adams Family Mansion? Don't you love it here? No one has dared to spend the night at Hill House. There won't be anyone around if you need help. (laughs) On this night, four people will find out why. Liam Neeson, Catherine Zeta-Jones... Rated PG-13. Starts Friday. Uh, I remember liking this. <laughs> well, you're wrong. I mean, um, I mean, after I was like on video and I was sort of aware what it was, because the effects are just so silly. They're supposed to be scary, yeah. but they're so unsubtle. Um, yeah. it's, it's pretty wonderful. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in, in some ways it is kind of a fun, bad movie in that way, in that it's very effects heavy. Like the original Haunting a Hill House... Uh, the movie by Robert Wise is you never really know if this main character is being haunted by something or if she's just gone nuts. Mm. And that's entirely possible. Uh, and this one, they take out any question whatsoever because everything starts coming to life and trying to kill everybody. Yep. Mm. This, the, the scary statues coming to life and the scary thing, the bedpost is coming to life and everything's coming to life. And sometimes it's really funny because the actors don't know what they're looking at, what's going to be CGI'd in later. So they look, a little too nonplussed. Like mm-hmm. they're a little calm about that statue coming to bite your head off, dude. Yeah, You're just sort of like, oh. It's it's just a goth version of Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> it, 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 th- what relation does this have with the Netflix haunting of Hill House? It's the well, same. Uh, well, is it though? No, I don't think it is. It's based, based on, on a different well, book. They're based on the same book. Yeah, by yeah, Shirley Jackson. Yeah. The mm. the Netflix one. I was expanded it out and took the basic concept and did this whole thing with the family and the, you know, multiple at different times and all that stuff. But, you know, the, the same basic idea. There's a house. It's scary. There's ghosts in there. And there's uh, like a circular staircase, maybe in the library. And spooky. definitely. And yeah, the Netflix show was, you know, it's barely related to the original story, but it was effective. 
It was interesting. Yeah. They did interesting stuff in it. It was pretty well made. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. The Robert Wise movie is really effective, and they do a lot with a little, and this is just so dumb. <laughs> I only even knew that original movie exists. I bought it in that period uh, in between Mystery Science Theater 3000 and Riff Tracks where Mike Nelson was forced to riff movies alone. Mm. Like uh, that's hard. Like uh, Reefer Madness and oh, what's it? Carnival of Souls. But I, I did discover <laughs> movies I I wouldn't normally watch, but I just remember very little of this one. Mm. Uh, yeah, this is bad, and we should all forget that it happened, and that's fine. Done. Um, <laughs> the first segment was too good for me to care about this this uh, this segment, but let's keep going. That was a terrible way to get people excited about the rest of the show. Uh, but there's a good cartoon coming up. Uh, 1999 <laughs> TV, uh, the 19th through the 25th of July. CBS Wednesday movie, The Almost Perfect Bank Robbery, starring Brooke Shields and Dylan Walsh. Yeah, it's just kind of a throwaway little TV movie. Uh, Brooke Shields plays a bank teller, and her boyfriend is a bank robber, Dylan Walsh. Will they ever get along? And they're being, trying, they're being tracked down by a um, uh, law enforcement officer mm-hmm. played by Rip Dorn. Hey, what the uh, fuck? Yeah, right? Crazy. Uh, and on the 24th on Cartoon Network, one of its original lineup of what a cartoon uh, what a cartoon class Dexter's Lab Johnny Bravo Powerpuff Girls starting out as like little shorts in the forms of pilots mm-hmm. that get made into a show this show uh, ends its three season run Mama had a chicken Mama had a cow Dad was proud he didn't care how I never I never truly loved this show but I, I absolutely didn't hate it and the best thing about it mm-hmm. In 1999, it is a cow and a chicken who are best friends and apparently related, but they're always battling just Satan. It is just <laughs> Satan. It is a giant red Satan. Uh, I, I, why wasn't this more controversial? And you should look up. It, it does have a band episode that is funny to look up. It looks just like Ooh. Ren and Stimpy to me. That it, it's very Ren and Stimpy mm, in yeah. that that's that's why I didn't totally love it because it was so much like Ren and Stimpy in yeah. that you have one asshole character and one stupid character, mm-hmm. and uh, and very very similar. Uh, but there's one there's one band episode that's just like depicts lesbian bikers eating the carpet. Oh boy! Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. boy! It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, that shit was still going on uh, under my eyeballs in 1999. Also, 99, the parent dash not dash. What is one of those things? Apostrophe. Apostrophe hood finale. The parenthood. Yeah, I wanted to throw it in because it had five seasons. Holy shit! Um, and it's Gosh. a family comedy uh, with Robert Townsend and Suzanne Douglas right. as the parents. Because I asked the dumb question, whatever happened to Robert Townsend after Meteor Man? He was an awesome director, made a ton of movies that I liked, and some I didn't, and then just kind of disappeared, but into a sitcom I never watched. Well, he plays a a college professor, and his wife is a uh, law student, Mm -hmm. and they're raising their children, and it was kind of supposed to be modeled, you know, obviously a little bit after The Cosby Show. Um, But but in the hood? I can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly don't know that mu- that much about it. Mm-hmm. I've, I've given you all the knowledge I have about it, but for anything that's been on for five seasons, there's someone out there who definitely it's, watched it, it and loved it. If it ran five seasons and you have an over-the-air antenna in a big city, you can mm-hmm. find this airing somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the 25th as well, the CBS Sunday movie, Passion's Way, starring Cilla Ward, Timothy Dalton, and Alicia Witt. Cilla um, Ward. Cilla, what did I say? Cilla. She's... Uh, my number one seller. Uh, and uh, speaking of things I know nothing about, and this is crazy. Harrison Ford did not murder her. <laughs> oh, is that who she no, is? Yes. He didn't kill her. He, he didn't kill her. Sorry. Wife. And uh, I don't care. 
And then, uh, yes, oh, I lost the words. Anyway, uh, fucking a real blind. I don't. I don't have a lot of blind spots in mm-hmm. terms of games. Mm-hmm. Um, Jagged Alliance Two is out. This game is so popular, a tactical shooty thingy. I don't know what it looks like, and it was remade in 2011. Hmm. I think through one of the wow. first big crowdfunding efforts. Or, no, that might not be the case of Jagged Alliance, but it's rem- I was even working at PC Gamer. It was a huge game. I have no idea what it is hmm. because it's a PC tactical shooter, So there- and therefore I never will. But it's a series that lasted a while. This is its high point in that it was remade, not remastered, remade uh, 10, years, 10 years later. Uh, and of course, we'll have to close out this segment of 1999 with Break Stuff by Limp Biscuit. I can't find this anywhere. Somebody should help me because it seems like there's so many funny things to do with it. The MTV Music Awards were in uh, Los Angeles for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the year they moved back to New York, you can find this everywhere. They had weird promos. So Conan O'Brien is playing Big Pimpin' in the subway on his acoustic guitar. Funny. <laughs> And then the other promo they had of another famous New Yorker is Donald Trump sitting in a limo, nodding his head to the song Break Stuff. Oh, my God. And, and he's like, Donald Trump, we're here. And he holds up his finger like, give me some to break. And he's just, yeah, And yeah, then yeah. And like, we and gave like, him the country to I've break. I've been trying to find that video <laughs> and just put Trump 2020 at the end of it. Like, oh, man. <laughs> it just makes too much sense. I can't find it anywhere. I'm dying to confirm this exists. Donald like Trump loving Limp Biscuits break stuff. It exists, I promise. Just somebody help me find it. Uh, all right, and that'll take us out to break stuff by Limp Biscuit. We'll see you again in 2009. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. I, I remember I had that philosophy back in the day. If you want, can't find something on the internet, it's your job to put it there. So I never like rip something from YouTube and put it up on my page it was like no I'll fucking capture this myself at better resolution try and up res a little bit make it look better like and put that up there but it, it was with some some stuff very clearly owned by Disney even including things that had Mickey Mouse in them but <laughs> well you're not going to get away with that for long they changed copyright law itself to keep I know <laughs> <Mickey Mouse. laughs> well it was it was my theory like, dude th- we had the those, final boss of copyright is Disney <laughs> we had those up and monetized like up until a few months ago they were the black and white Mickey Mouse cartoons and it was my conspiratorial belief that like Disney doesn't want to release anything that shows Mickey in a bad it's just a non-corporate spokesman light. And, and most of the stuff, I didn't put anything like crazy, but he is like yanking cats by the tail and kicking goats in the dick. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm putting that stuff up, but it's like, I think I felt like Disney, like, well, we want this out there for people who want to see it. We just don't want to distribute it ourselves and call attention to it. Oh, I see so you were doing a service for them. Kind of, kind of. And, and, and I'm not even mentioning the Me Too stuff. His first cartoon is just yanking a girl to kiss her all the time. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime.
Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of July 19th through 25th, uh, yeah, let's talk about some stuff. Um, I feel like even though 1989 is so packed, I kind of just want to say go watch all the 1989 movies that we talked about. But I got some historical recommendations for you, too. Um, two of them are history-based, and one of them is just because uh, it's, it's great. Um, 1944, July 20th, uh, 75 years ago this week, uh, was the date of the Valkyrie assassination attempt on Hitler. And we talked about the movie Valkyrie with Tom Cruise a while back, and it's not that bad. It's actually pretty good. It's a good primer on, on what that was all about. Um, it's, it's tense. So, uh, yeah, I mean, um, there's kind of not a better movie, except maybe a documentary to watch about that. So you can watch Valkyrie if you want to think about blowing up Hitler, because I know I do. And then scoot forward in the past 20... Er, it, ah, go forward 25 years uh, and the exact same day, July 20th, 1969. Uh, we land on the goddamn moon. That's what we do. We take a guy, a couple guys in a can, and we throw them up in the sky, and a couple of them get out, and they walk around the moon, and they get uh, a nice picture of everybody smiling and waving. Yeah, so again, uh, recommendation, First Man from last year. I don't know why people didn't go see it, because it looks like it's going to be a cheesy biopic, and it's actually, again, pretty dang good. Like, I enjoyed that. And it was interesting. All the actual, like, Apollo stuff, uh, they do a really good job making you feel like you're there. So those are my two uh, light recommends. But for anniversary's sake, 60 years ago, this week, July 22nd, 1959, saw, I guess, the official release of Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yeah! Now, is this the worst movie ever made? Fuck no. I've seen way worse movies than this, because this actually has a plot and dialogue, and the camera mostly doesn't fall over. But is it funny? Is it a landmark in bad film? Yes, it is. So if you've never seen an Edward movie before, I think this is the place to start. Plan 9 from Outer Space. And masterpiece. Uh, about, you know, obviously, aliens wearing sateen jumpsuits who come to Earth to raise a couple corpses, and I guess that'll help them take over the world? Sure. Why not? And I guess that's their ninth plan, too? I don't know what plan eight was. It's probably, like, throw spitballs at guys. I don't know. But uh, those are my recommendations, as bizarre as they are. Valkyrie, <laughs> First Man, and Plan 9 from Outer Space. Um, I think First Man and Plan 9 is a good double feature, you know, because it's got a space theme. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. Oh no, these times when we climb so fast to fall again Why we gotta fall for it now? I never meant to start a war You know I never wanna hurt you Don't even know what we're fighting for Why does love always feel like a battlefield? If you're like me, you're hearing Jordan Sparks' Battlefield for the first time and not caring for it Y'all, just listen to Love is a Battlefield <laughs> Right or the Battlefield 1942 theme. I got a flag for it on YouTube. It must be popular. Uh, but, yeah, Jordan Sparks, title track. She's got an album out this week. Uh, 2009, July 19th to the 25th. Thanks for hanging in there after that really long first segment. Uh, 2009, it's obviously an audience favorite, so, of course, we're going to get into it. Um, the new album's out this week. Uh, the self-titled debut of C uh, Civil Twilight. It Hates You by He Is Legend. Uh, here we go again by Demi Lovato. Burn Burn by Our Lady Peace, uh, The Satanic Satanist by Portugal the Man, and Music for Cougars by Sugar Ray. Classy as always. <laughs> um, anyway, I Got a Feeling by Black Eyed Peas is number one. 
And why don't I just tell you when it's not number one? Portugal the Man is actually one of Sam's favorite bands. Are you, Sam listens to music? Well, so it's. I just had to do it's, like it's a. It's not Mega Man? I mean, we're not really a musical family, but uh, which is actually super weird because Sam is a very gifted musician. Musician. Yes. <laughs> we just don't listen pianist. to a lot of music. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Portugal the Man is. Uh, I just had to quickly look it up. It's not from this album, The Satanic Satanist, although I wish it was. But one of the songs that we heard on our honeymoon that we play all the time is Feel It Still, which is by Portugal the Man. And uh, it's one of their later albums. Just a tiny bit of news because we don't have much to talk Mm -hmm. about this week. Uh, I thought it was funny that I think Forbes did an article on the top earning comedians of 2009. And who do you you think that is? Jeff Dunham. No. Jeff Foxworthy. Foxworthy. No. And although Bill Engvall does have a show coming out this week on TBS. Uh Uh-huh. Um... But uh, hmm. but it is someone you like, and for something we talked about last someone week. Someone I like or someone I used to like? Because of something we talked about last week. It is Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, okay. Who in I'm this year makes $85 million based on the show that ended 10 years ago. Wow. How fucking crazy wow, wow, is that? Wow. That's Seinfeld money, So not baby. touring comedian. He, it, it's a combination of his touring money, probably some money signed, for, signed okay. with NBC to do the marriage ref, a show we all remember finally. Sure. And, but, yeah. but like... Most of that $85 million is Seinfeld money. That's crazy. Uh, movies of 2009. Um, July 19th to the 25th. Death and Love. Jacqueline Bissett. Uh, Adam Brody. Josh Lucas and Lucas Haas. Josh Lucas oh. Haas. Josh Lucas Haas. Josh Lucas Haas. Um, this sounds like the most depressing movie like of all time. It has good reviews, but I'm kind of terrified to watch it because it's about uh, Jacqueline Bissett in the past... Um, was in a concentration camp and seduced Hello. a guard. And then it's also, but, and it's about like the repercussions of that through her life and how her kids have like lots of problems Yikes. as grown ups. It's like, wow, this sounds um, gut wrenching. Gee, I wonder if I'll take the time to watch this or maybe something else. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uncom- I only Sometimes saw- homework is a little too much like homework for the show. And I was like, I, I just, let's move on. Yeah. I, I think there's a billion stories in the Holocaust we haven't. I think I heard Stephen Tobolowski talk about somebody who they were talking about having a relationship during the Holocaust. And that's like one of those things you just don't think about. Like, but mm-hmm. if you're stuck this place for a fucking year and you're single, mm. there's some, how do you get down? And people do, and they find a way. And yep. love finds a way, y'all. Yeah, in this case with a guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, how about this? Vera Farmiga and Peter Sarsgaard and Isabel Furman and Cheech Pounder. CCH, I know. I watched mm-hmm. The Shield. Uh, and the movie called Orphan. Orphan! Yep. God, this is going to be uplifting, I'll bet. Oh, well, yes, it is, <laughs> in a way. Is this your house? It's your home, too. Once she's inside, be part of this family. She will play you. I've learned so much about you and your cheating husband. Why didn't you tell me? What? And you will never guess. She's a manipulator. Esther, stop it. Me? Her game. Do you want to play? On July 24th, discover the secret <laughs> of the orphan. <laughs> Going somewhere, Kate? I hope the secret of the orphan. Okay. I'm not actually an orphan. Okay, well, someone told me the twist to this, and it made me laugh so hard. I know. It was insane. I'm going to need you to tell me. (laughs) The statute of limitation is 60 days. It's been 10 years. All right, so spoiler, spoiler, spoiler for the orphan. (laughs) I got to know. Go for it. 
<laughs> she, she's actually a really old lady. <laughs> Damn yeah. it. I swear I could have guessed that in like three guesses. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Um, she's not a kid. <laughs> it just made me laugh. So, I will not go see these movies because What are we talking about? Why? A potion, an incantation, uh, a weird form of pe- reverse pageria? What's going on I here? Think that, I think it's no, the I last think, one. Okay. I think, yeah. Okay, that's good. My, yeah, so she's like a little person. Yeah. She's very little, and she looks kind of like a kid. So, and so she Ew. just gets adopted and then wreaks havoc. It's just like, when someone told me that was the end, I laughed so hard. It's so stupid. <laughs> All right. Also this week, uh, Gerard Butler, Catherine Heigl, uh, Cheryl Hines, uh, The Ugly Truth. The Ugly Truth being uh, two of these people weren't movie stars in <laughs> No, the ugly truth. Do you remember what I said about when Harry met mm-hmm. Sally about mm-hmm. bad romantic ah. comedy? Mm-hmm. This, this movie, is a great example of a horrible romantic comedy. This movie's hot garbage. Ooh. Is trash. All right, we really have that kind of consensus. The ugly truth. He's smart. He's handsome. He loves wine. And he's out there somewhere. Abby is looking for a lot in a man. Mike knows men only want one thing. And it's called. On July 24th. Men are very visual. Now that is a bra. The truth. Laugh at whatever he says. What if what he's saying isn't funny? For men, self-improvement ends at toilet training. (laughs) Now that was perfect. Real or fake? You'll never know. Gets ugly. Would you stop doing that? I think I kind of like it. Really? Suck. I knew it. The ugly truth. Rated on. This movie Ugh. is great. Grim. So we got two leaves that have no chemistry. Mm-hmm. Uh, Catherine Heigl is playing a super, super uptight woman. And Gerard Butler's basically a pickup artist before mm-hmm. we had that term. Like, or maybe we did. I don't know. But he's, you know, like a male chauvinist pig type. And oh, they've got to work together on this TV show, which for a while I was thinking, wait, didn't I? Was there like a there was one with with Ashley Judd and Hugh Jackman that was like this. No, right. that's actually a different shitty romantic comedy. But mm-hmm. because they're both like, I'm your producer and you have to do what I say on this shitty TV show. <laughs> it's so um, bad. It turns There's... out I like you after all. I guess I'm the one who will change and you'll be a piece of shit still because yeah. it's a woman's job to fucking change. It's trash. There's a whole yeah. scene where did you watch you watch this, right, Diana? I did not, okay. but the guys at We Hate Movies have been having my back for the last couple of weeks because mm-hmm. they've been doing just the worst of 2009 for some reason. And they did this. They got 2012, which we get to talk about later. And then we got Taking a Pelham 123 next week, which we've already talked about. So mm-hmm. thanks, guys. You're drafting on us. Yeah. So there's one whole piece of the movie where for some reason she's wearing underwear that has a vibrator in it. Huh? And he yeah. has control of it. And so, of course, like, is doing stuff to her with the vibrator in her underwear during a, of course, important business meeting. Business meeting. Ugh. Which seems like an odd, sw- like, I'm not sure why they went R-rated remember. on this. Because it doesn't sound like they went very R except for that. Yeah. I So this is one of the movies, I, I, I do love romantic comedies mm-hmm. and, you know... I also love going to the movies by myself. So this is one mm-hmm. of the ones I took myself to see during the summer of 2009. And I remember being so angry watching it that it was like <laughs> I almost wanted to walk out, but I couldn't because I like I paid money to see it. It's the vibrating pants made it all worthwhile. Sit through it. But oh, it this was dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I read similar things about this one because I, I also like uh, talking shit on Disney before they acquired everything because mm. this is yeah. this is they struggle. What do they, what do they make? Is this a live action animation hybrid or just animation? This, no, this is a live action animation hybrid. So like you said with uh, Inspector Gadget, it's like mm-hmm. why are they just making crap, just live action crap that should be animated crap? Um, number one at the box office this week. So I went and I watched this movie no i did no. starring starring academy award winner nicholas king <laughs> academy, award, academy award winner penelope cruz wow and academy award winner sam rockwell wow and, as uh, the voices of guinea pigs and animal emmy okay. award nominee tracy morgan i'm a gerbil i yeah. i thought that's Canadian what national this was. treasure will arnett yeah my uh. dog's namesake steve buscemi mm-hmm. <laughs> and Bill G- nye the science guy he <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, Sarah's gonna need a minute. Why did you hold that off for so long? We talked about Bill Nye before Diana. We needed the press. <laughs> oh, that brought me so much joy. <laughs> well, then maybe don't watch the movie. I don't think no, you can hold I the won't. candle to that. Uh, G Force, nope. the story of Jerables. Agent Darwin, status report. I have a visual on Saber. He's wearing a $6,000 suit. According to my infrared scope, size 36, tidy whities They're the government's newest spies. James Bond never had these problems. Ah! They're teaming up to take evil down. Holla. From Walt Disney Pictures comes Jerry Bruckheimer's first 3D movie. Ah! He's blood blaster. What do you suggest I do? Pooping his hand. Pooping his hand. G-Force. Ready PG. Directed by Hoyt Gateman. Guinea pig gone wild. If this is more popular, I would be the first one to pedantically say, these are hamsters. These, <laughs> these are they're mm-hmm. guinea pigs. They're guinea pigs. They're guinea they're pigs. They're guinea pigs. Not gerbils. And there's some hamsters, mm-hmm. and there's also a mole. So let me find something nice to say about this. Okay. It's extremely short. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 84 minutes. It's barely a movie. Um, another nice thing I will say, uh, Nicolas Cage is kind of unrecognizable because he's doing sort of the voice he did in Peggy Sue Got Married. Oh, really? That was nice. I and d- oh. Zach Galifianakis and John Favreau got paychecks. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, what are, yeah, what are you worried about John Favreau getting a paycheck for? He directed The Lion King, produced Avengers Endgame, has a show on uh, Netflix, was in the latest Star Wars movie. John Favreau true. needs this to take a break. That's right. This this movie comes out after he had directed Iron Man and yeah. made a fuck ton right. of money. Yes. Why is he doing this? All these people uh, were extorted, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Um, if I know yeah. corporations, this was a thing that was greenlit probably like seven years ago. Yeah. Somebody had to make it. Uh, no one was looking forward to it. And I, I just remember looking at this and sort of just shaking my head like, I really want this company to do well. <laughs> I really hope they get it together. Uh, a G-Force, despite being, that's like the perfect example of like, no, this is just good marketing. Like, no one's talking about this movie. And I've mm. never heard anybody mention it again. Hey, prove me wrong. Maybe we'll do another comment show if we get a new, enough good G-Force shows. The, the G-Force comments. Yeah. The uh, hamsters from that car commercial for the car that's shaped like a cube right. are more recognizable than this movie. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Fucking bullshit. Let's move on to TV. I'm sick of this. Uh, uh, yeah, look, it's really oh. bad. It was embarrassing. And um, I want to talk about money for a second, though. Okay. How much do you think this movie cost to have I, the, the little spy guinea pigs do little spy guinea pig stuff? I would guess $150 million. Well, no, no, because no, I believe Evan Almighty still tops 
the most expensive comedy ever, one hundred fifty mm-hmm. million dollars. So it would hundred hundred twenty million. I'm going You're to right the first price. time. One hundred and fifty. What? Oh. He's going to prices right you. Oh. <laughs> Well, you would have lost anyway. That's true. Um, So I did the math, and it ended up making money. It made about double that back. They made like $250 million back. But the average private university tuition, it could have paid for 1,078 people to get four-year degrees for that money. (laughs) But the... But you're not you're not you're underestimating the public's demand for gerbil movies. Film degrees, so that they could. Nobody wants that. Yeah, no, that's Uh, true. That's that's the last thing we need. Oh, that's that's a depressing notion. And but at least like it wasn't enough to get a bunch of sequels or maybe direct to DVD. G buddies and (laughs) G buddies. Uh, Yes, or biopics. uh, G Gordon Liddy. Could have been a great gerbil movie. Oh, um, that would have been great. Oh I want to see a guinea pig version of the White House. Of, of Sarah, in the White House. Sarah just looked at me when I said that, like, leaned back and shook no. her head, like, why did you say that? No, no, no. Uh, I, was, I was hoping we're the, at the end of this so mm-hmm. I can congratulate you on not making any jokes about gerbils and butts. Oh, fuck. I could have done that? Nope. You're cut off now. Oh. You can't do it. I could have Richard, Richard Gear this whole podcast. I was really... Was that him? I was about to congratulate you for that. That's why I leaned back because I was like waiting. When you heard that story, was it Richard Gear? Yeah. It was? Yeah. So yeah. everybody, we're all the same age. Yeah. I, I hear like no, depending on your age, it, it varies on who that is. Who else have you heard that it was? It's, it's just a rumor that circulates around whatever celebrity people want to think are, are gay, weird. I don't know. Okay. Like, <laughs> hmm. yeah. Colloquial horseshit, not colloquial. It's different. But uh, mm-hmm. TV Urban of legend. 2009, July 19th to the 25th, Dating in the Dark debuts on ABC. Yeah, this is also very grim. But um, oh it's basically a dating show where they took uh, men and women mm-hmm. and put them on opposite sides of a mansion. And the only time they were able to interact was in pitch black uh, darkness and so they would have like meals together or like I guess some sort of activity like social activities together but in pitch black so that you wouldn't be able to huh. see what the other person looked like and then I guess people paired off from there what the fuck people um, <laughs> it's freaking mystery date oh you just open the door and who's your date? Your mystery date. Ah, you got the and dud. you open it and you get the dud and then you say he looks like Millhouse. Well, I pulled a little promo so you can see this is where we are in dating shows Ooh, at, in 2009. Are you sure there's a writer strike happening? Mm. Monday, it's the fascinating and revealing new hit. Six singles will look for love in the dark. What do you think I might look like? Kind of like a petite blonde. ABC's Dating in the Dark, only Monday, 10, 9 central on ABC. G-Rose. That's, it's got to be fun because they're also eating in the dark. Yeah, so I like, know. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Which you can do. Like, there are uh, restaurants around the world where they do, like, pitch black I could do eating. it, but I, just, I don't want to do yeah. it with a fork. Sam and I did a really cool, uh, like, kind of museum. It, it was part of uh, the Bodies exhibit. It was, like, paired with that in Atlanta where it sim- it's supposed to simulate blindness. And so we were taken into a room, and then it, like, slowly faded to black. And we had a guide who was actually blind and would take us through different scenarios, like crossing a busy street or, you know, going to a counter and paying for something. And it was amazing i highly recommend it to anyone who has that exhibit i've, I've always town. wanted to start the same thing although at the end i pick everybody's pockets and steal their purses but, <laughs> and <laughs> but all right samantha 
On the 23rd, Samantha who? Samantha who? <laughs> yeah, so I pulled this because this is the finale. Um, is a television program that went for two seasons starring Christina Applegate, Kevin Dunn, Gene Smart, Jennifer Esposito, yeah. and Barry Watson. Wow. And I, I like watched... people. Yeah, I watched a couple episodes actually a couple years ago and I just never picked back up on it, but I really enjoyed what I watched. And the story of it is that uh, Christina Applegate is the main character and she is hit in a uh, hit and run and mm. has amnesia. And so she's like, you know, brought back to her family and everything. And she has to kind of relearn her life. And as she's relearning what's going on in her life, she realized she was a humongous fucking asshole in her previous, <laughs> like before she got hit. So she's like spending, and now she's a nice person. And so she, now she's trying to kind of come back from that really charming premise and like a really, you know, great actor's, and I don't know, it only got two seasons, which is a shame. I really liked what I saw of it. And I also wanted to bring it up because I just finished Dead to Me, which is Christina Applegate's uh, show that's on Netflix right now, where her husband is killed by a hit and run driver. And Whoa. yeah, so I recommend Samantha Who. I thought it was really, really charming when I watched it. I also definitely recommend Dead to Me, which is on Netflix right now. All right. Uh, and okay. uh, being human debuts starring yes. Sam Huntington, uh, Sam Whitwer, and uh, Megan Rath. Yeah, um, I put a little promo which will just explain being the whole human. thing. I'm thinking of that Robin Williams movie. That's very weird. My life is different now. I'm different. No one says how to the neighbors anymore. You know why? Because ah! we are the neighbors. I know what you are. How? She's a ghost. Not all vampires are bad. <laughs> You're a werewolf. We'll have full moon parties. We'll invite the neighbors over. Being human, a new original series coming in January. Only on. It's, it's a Only sci-fi. On sci-fi. I, but I, wasn't this a BBC uh, show? Uh, mm. yes, it mm. was. Yes, previously it was, mm. and uh, yeah. So a vampire, a werewolf, and a ghost are all roommates mm. and get into <laughs> adventures together. It's weird this didn't work, and I it love went, what we do in the shadows so much. It did work. It oh, went it on for four seasons. Holy shit. So wow. it, it worked for sure. There Mind not cable have an ass. I, I, this is one of the ones I like <clears throat> to throw out because I know that there's someone in our audience who watched it and probably mm-hmm. wants to go to bat for it. And this kind of seems like a show that would be up my alley. So please <gasps> go to bat for it because I want a recommendation, and I trust our audience. Ooh. Well, more than me. Um Video games of 2009. Surprisingly few this week, and, and all, all of them downloadable. Mm. Uh, Wipeout Fear HD Fury. I love having the Wipeout series back. That's a futuristic racing game that introduced most people to bands like Prodigy and the Chemical Brothers back in the day. It's been kind of gone for a couple of years, and this is an expansion from last year's last year's October title. Uh, and Splosion Man, a really charming <laughs> game about a guy who constantly explodes oh. and was followed up by Miss Splosion Man and has a great theme song Miss Splosion Man Miss Splosion Man <laughs> uh, and, and uh, yeah it's 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 from uh, oh, what's that studio it's from that uh, studio Twisted Pixel who made a bunch of funny games they mm. kind of specialized in quirky funny games and I hope that can still be a thing in 2019 um, and that is about it for our show we'd love to hear your comments you can do that on lasertimepodcast.com or our official Lasertime Facebook group uh, you just search for that. Uh, I'm sure we'll let you in. Uh, there's a bunch of wonderful thousands of like-minded people in there who constantly... It, to me, this is the way I wanted Facebook to be. No assholes, links to shit I didn't know about. Speaking of comments on the LTC, Ooh. I saw a comment today, and I'm I'm sorry, I, 
I did a screenshot of it and I'm trying to pull up pull it up now so I can make sure I can credit the right person. But basically the uh, the comment was that when I was talking uh, on the last episode that was two episodes ago that was released when we were talking about Seinfeld and I said there's all these terms that are made in modern lexicon that we all talk about mm-hmm. and and then yeah, I started yeah, yeah. naming them mm-hmm. uh, someone called me out on the LTC and was like um, a lot of the things that you said were in our modern lexicon are not things people say and I just have to acknowledge <laughs> and say good on you brother brother because <laughs> you are totally right I like when you laid that out for me and I was like looking at it, I was like, you know what? I was super tired that day. And those are all terms that I use every day. But now when I look through it, I'm like, no, you're right. And I remember when I was saying like the Van Buren boys like, I got and it. sponge worthy and stuff like that. But that's mm-hmm. not things that we all say. Like but, uh, you, you Diana, could say that at your like two seconds ago, job. Diana, just, Diana, and I just spoke in Simpsons language. Exactly. In, Mr. in a way you didn't get. Yeah, that's true. And, and that's so, true. Like, we, we totally understood one another. Yeah. You got the dud. But you know what? I just want to acknowledge that and be like, you know what? Good on you, bro, because you're totally right. And even as I was saying them in the moment, like when you're recording, I was like, I don't think people say Van Buren boys a lot besides me, actually. Are you people? (laughs) I am people. Then fuck that guy. (laughs) No, he was great. I'm so glad that he called me out on that. And there are other things like uh, the tops of muffins. I don't think like hardly anyone pulls off the top of muffin. doesn't think of that. To my own waist. (laughs) Yeah, there's that muffin top. I don't know. I have heard many, many, many people who I did not know much about them, but they definitely told me that the sea was angry that day, my friends. Okay, yeah. that's good. Okay, that I've makes heard me that feel, from many people. That makes me feel good. I mean, I say it every time I go to the beach and there's a wave. The sea was angry that day, my friend, uh. like an old man trying to send back soup at a deli. I, I have to do the whole thing. Um, but yeah, so... Did you credit I, the person? I'm... Looking for the comment right now, and I will. John Harrington. Fuck you, John. Good on you, John. I appreciate it. You it's call about me out like that. A diversity of opinions. Fuck you, John. Just In a kidding. nice way. I'm just, I'm just joshing. Thanks for not but being mean Josh. about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, but yes, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for supporting us at Patreon.com/slash LaserTime, supporting the entire LaserTime network, including this show, um, LaserTime. Which this week is, uh, which we just recently did a show about um, the death of Mad Magazine and killer robots, uh, killer robots and AI and how it's actually played a part in our life, which is not the, it's not the brand of evil we thought it would be. Who knew? Uh, did the it, robots kill Mad Magazine? Um, mm. it ter- yeah, it turns out digitally, uh, dig- the digital equation doesn't care for drawings because mm. <laughs> robots don't like them and that's the only way you can authenticate most comments you leave on the internet. How many of these pictures have cars in them? Well, what is a signature but not a drawing of your name? What is that a great John Mulaney bit? <laughs> prove, prove you're not a robot. <laughs> Are you a robot? Uh, anyways, Jesus Christ. Uh, but patreon.com slash laser time where the price of a uh, burger and fries can uh, get your buddies by. Uh, get our hosting paid for. Help us stay up on equipment. All that stuff uh, really helps support all of us. We do thank you so much for supporting Later Time Video Game Apocalypse, our weekly video game show, uh, and all that good stuff. And a weekly bonus show we give to you guys, and hopefully some more movie commentaries, and hopefully some new content as soon as I can get all this shit done. Uh, anyway, um, deaths, people who be dead as of this week. And that's what happens. People who are dead this mm. week in these three decades, 89, 2009, and 1999, can never say them sequentially. It's okay. Um, all right. 
Let's talk about deaths. Deaths and then rebirths. Uh, we had two deaths in 2009 that are major bummers. Uh, first one is Frank McCourt, who is 78. He's the guy who wrote Angela's Ashes mm-hmm. and was a charming old dude. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, Harry Patch, the last veteran of the trenches of World War One. He was 111. Uh, wow. Wow. He died in 2009. Holy shit. That's like two years before the war started. After the war started. Uh, to 102 what? years. It's almost a century yeah. from the war starting. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah, basically. He was born in 1898, and he died while we were talking about G-Force. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, well, that's He picked the right time. Like, I'm so glad I don't <laughs> have to see that fucking, fucking movie. Oh, yeah, I can't do it anymore. Uh, God damn it. This is as bad as the trench rats. Ah! That's crazy. I hope people are keeping... Because I, I think... Were you talking about that on another podcast? Because we saw that movie um, Peter Jackson made, They Shall Not Grow oh, Old. Uh-huh. They Shall Not Grow Old. Yeah, that, that, that was really neat. They, they keep having to make the distinction because like, most people don't consider women as being soldiers, but they're women who served in, during these wars, and they tend to die. After, they tend to live longer. Right. And uh, they, I saw on a couple of occasions, women tend to be the last living veteran mm-hmm. of, of all these wars. Mm-hmm. And um, I yep. think we... like. We're almost out of World War II veterans, for real. Yeah, yeah. We're running out. We're running out. Talk to and, one. Yep. Uh, talk to one before you lose them, because you won't always have something as amazing as that They Shall Not Grow Old documentary, because I have never heard stories like that from people like that, just because the way they talk about the war is really different. Holy shit. Why am I talking about that? Because yeah. let's raise our, lay, raise ourselves back up a little bit. Birthday is a have a special birthday this week because we've hit someone born during our show. What? Yeah, born July 23rd, 1989. July 23rd. 30. Oh, you know what I forgot to mention in 1989? What? Because um, Do the Right Thing came out. That means somewhere around this time is uh, the Obamas' first date. They went to go see (laughs) Do the Right Thing. Oh my god, yay! I tried to find a specific date. I couldn't find it, but Yay, that's so cute. Anyway, born July 23rd, 1989. Happy 30th birthday. He was born in London. Uh, his dad is a literary agent. and mom is a casting director, which is pretty handy. Nicholas Holt. No. I guess so. <laughs> that was so confident. I was scared. <laughs> um, something I didn't know about him. His mom is Jewish and his dad is Irish Protestant. And he describes his upbringing as Christmas tree Jewish. <laughs> just heard that for the first time like a couple of years ago and I love that's it that's fun mm-hmm. yep um, but he made his uh, debut at age 10 playing David Copperfield on the BBC <sighs> the magician Jamie Bell no that's, that's another good guess uh, but that got him a starring movie role and uh, now he has a worldwide box office of 7 billion dollars god damn <sighs> so it can't be Tom Holland I said him already uh, the Spider-Man boy no, he no, was, we I, had him already. I got him. I got him a oh, couple right, weeks right. ago. Okay. Oh, that's a, um, a lot of his work. We'll give it away, but I can also give you uh, my boy Jack, December Boys, Extras, and Equus on stage. Oh, Daniel oh, Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe. Ah, Daniel Radcliffe. I yep. got it. No, I got it. I got it. What, last I week for yeah. Half Blood Prince, you know how much he made for Half Blood Prince? No. About about fifteen million pounds. Fuck me. Good on you, bloke. Because what are you going to do? Swap out. Your your Harry Potter right before the end? Yeah, just yeah. figure you lock him into a contract. Wait, so, Dumbledore? Like Thor, where you give him like two hundred <laughs> grand a movie. 
Holy shit. I, I, you know, I, 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 no, no, never mind. Uh, but I, I remember that because he would post the coolest birthday photographs because he was usually on set for mm-hmm. like 10 mm. years of his life. Yeah. I also enjoy his stories about uh, his troubles with alcohol and getting mm. sober and how much of what we yeah. watch from Harry Potter, he is drunk in those scenes. <laughs> yeah. It, it just, he, <laughs> he reformed pretty, he, he fell hard, but it was all very fast. Yeah. Yeah. It was a short yeah. period of alcoholism. Short period of recovery, and now he's one of the coolest people uh, we have in pop culture. Really like that guy. Yeah, I, he, he always makes interesting choices. Mm-hmm. Yep, I always I love when when actors do that, where they're like, "Look, I'm set for life. Okay, I got Harry Potter money, so I'm going to make the movie with the farting corpse." That's sure, why not? Exactly uh, what I was going to say. Hello, Robert Pattinson. Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, yeah. just just one of my favorite movies of whatever year that came out. Swiss Army Man. I'm not an actor, but if I could play anybody, it would be the farting corpse jet ski uh, <laughs> of. <laughs> Of Swiss Army, man. God, that movie's great. Uh, yes, but thank you guys so much for listening. This show is executive produced by Adam Foote and many other fine people Thanks, at patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, Diana, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at listenernerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or uh, about the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. You know, uh, you, oh, you picked this the, was a big episode. You picked the clothes, so okay. I'm going to make you talk about why it's significant. We ob- we had to do Paul's Boutique. Mm-hmm. I could not believe we had to do freaking Martika's Toy Soldiers the week Paul's Bar- Boutique comes out. Because I'm a rock person, not a rap person, but I, I love the Beastie Boys. I love Paul's Boutique. That's the first one that's like, oh, I get it. Cool. Um, yeah, so it's going to go with... My first choice was Hey Ladies, because that's probably better known. But mm-hmm. um, Car Thief has like the super funkiest groove ever. And I did not realize to tie everything together, there's a small sample of Max Yasger from Woodstock in it. Hmm. From 69 Woodstock, the owner of nice. the farm where the first Woodstock was. And we had Woodstock 99, where things burned down. And it's all the circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, stay tuned for the DJ Khaled cover of that song. Um, we'll be back next week with more 302010. Later, everybody. Later, everybody.